Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Battle Round, coming to you live from the Press Box Studios here in Towson on a lovely Saturday morning. I'm Paul Valley. He's my co-host and producer, Zach Goodman. Want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel uh, Live Casino, the FanDuel, the FanDuel Sportsbook. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me. The FanDuel Sportsbook at the Live Casino and Hotel. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. The ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Zach, before we get into last night's game, I want to talk about last night's game. I hate, I absolutely hate the idea that the Orioles and the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network make us pay Mm. for cable so that we can watch the team. There's no other way to watch the team unless you have a cable provider. Correct. Because you can't stream on the app without having a cable provider. So in order to pay to, to watch the Orioles play every day during the season, yeah. I have to A pay a cable bill and so I can pay for the mat for mass and pay for pay for that sports package. Right. Or B pay for MLB TV and wait until after the game to then watch a replay of the game in the archives. Which you're not doing. Which I'm not doing. Right. Right. So then I'm already paying for this. Mm-hmm. I'm already paying and I'm not getting a discount on my cable bill for the games that aren't televised on Masson, right? And it's not like they're playing Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN every other week. They did, they've right. played, done it once in the last four or five years. So now I have to pay for Apple TV. You paid for that? No, 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 no. no. Okay. I was no. going to say, I, I watched it last night for free. On Apple TV, you can watch the games for free. I don't believe they make you pay for it. I didn't. I just pulled that's up my good, app. That's, that's going to be temporary. I pulled up my Apple TV app, and it just said you can watch... Friday Night Baseball for free. So right, did. but didn't you have to sign in? Uh, you, well, yeah, I was already signed in, but I'm not subscribed to Apple TV+. Plus. I have the app. I'm not actually subscribed to it. I watched it for free. At least I believe oh. I did. Unless they just signed me up for some free trial that I didn't know about. Okay, okay. Because I watched the first game against the Red Sox for free, right? But when I So I don't have the Apple TV app because I don't have... Um, Most like smart TVs have it though. Like I have a Sony TV and it has the app. I I was at work. Okay, I was at work, so I had to. I would have to watch it on my phone. Okay, and I'm telling you, it was a pain in the ass because I don't have the app. And uh, can you even? God, I sound like an old man yelling at a cloud, specifically because of the fact that I am like so technologically dense right now. (laughs) Um, I have a Droid. I have an Android. Can sure. I watch? Can I download the Apple TV app on my if Android? If they have the app, I don't know if they have the app on the. Yeah, I don't know Google if they have the app or not. That would be it, it, the question. It, the the pro- So my buddy Chris has Apple TV, and okay. that's how I've been able to watch stuff like Ted Lasso and okay. basically just Ted Lasso. And right. <laughs> and um. So I tried to sign in last night, and we couldn't get on the same page because he had to send me a verification code. Okay. Um. But he would get the verification code, and he would he would get the text message from me. After the time expired, right. So literally, he sent me a code like 15 times last night. It just it it just never worked. I'm glad it never worked because the Orioles were dead in the water last night. Mm-hmm. They were terrible again offensively, and Jordan Lyles just <laughs> shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is a second he crapped the bed again. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and we're gonna get into that. So I'm I'm glad that I ended up not watching the game, but 
see, I thought that they were, and I feel like they're going to make you pay for it next. Oh, year. eventually, yeah, eventually. right. There, there's no way that Apple and Major League Baseball have a deal where they're gonna, because otherwise, right. why not just televise the game? Well, I feel like it'd be a bad product too if you're just giving things away for free, right? right. I mean, that's that's a bad product. And, and if you look at the Apple TV broadcast, it's really good. I mean, I, I talked about that once in Sounding Off. I love the visuals. I love the, I think the the uh, the, the announcing is really good and the the graphics and everything. It's it's far and away better than what we get out of the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network. And I think that's to be expected. I mean, it's an Apple production. They have the most valuable company in the world, so I'm not surprised they put on a really good show, but they do. And the fact that it's free for the moment is surprising. Yeah, and, and so, like, and it said, you can watch this game for free. Right. But every time I tried to, it, ma- it, it made me put in my buddy's email address and right. whatnot. Got to have an Apple ID, and right. then you can watch it for free. It, 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 so, yeah, I thought that they were making you that they were making you have to pay for Apple TV, which I'm sure they're going to do at some point. Because Amazon Prime, a Thursday Night Football, you can't just watch Thursday Night Football without having Amazon Prime. You've which, got to pay for that. Which I hate too. And the thing mm-hmm. is, so the NFL app, right? Yeah. The the official NFL Awful. app. It, oh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. But but if you were logged in to your cable provider, you could watch whatever live local games right. were playing. On that app. Now they have NFL Plus. Right, so you can't do that. So if I want to watch the live local games on my phone or on a tablet, I have to pay them a minimum five bucks a month. Correct. Right? Which is, I'm already paying for that. Right? I'm I'm, I'm already paying to watch those games. If I happen to be away from the house, I should be able to watch it on Fios TV. Right. This isn't a football show, but this is, again... Old man yells at cloud. I'm officially 38 now. Paul Valley now. hates subscription models. Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. My birthday was on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday. It was, dude, I had a great week. Did you? I had a great week. So it started. So I worked last Saturday. Mm-hmm. Sunday, we watched the Ravens game at my buddy's house. And it's always a tradition. I've been okay. watching football yeah. games with my best friend since I was 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched the Ravens game at his, at his parents' house. You were invited, but you were uncomfortable. I, I, you know, I don't know him. I don't know anybody. I, I would you know. Met, you've met them. You were there. Well, I, yeah, they were there. Once, they were. At, but that was like a year ago, bro. If you came, if you came with uh, me, whatever, man. I mean, I guess. Whatever, I guess. Whatever. You after the after tomorrow, you have no excuses. I'm I'm gonna be there tomorrow. I know tomorrow you're gonna be there, but you have no okay. excuses after that because now you have <laughs> met, you've watched games with them twice. Anyway, um, so that was awesome. We watched yeah. the game. Then I came home and went on a tirade about uh, Brandon mm. Hyde's lineups when the Orioles lost one to nothing to the Red Sox. That series was a, was a travesty. Mm. That that series put the stamp on the Orioles season for yeah. the for the year that it's done, right? And we'll get into that in a minute. Then Monday, Monday, I we went to dinner with my with my wife's parents and that was cool. And okay. they got me a, a cool hat, so I like I like that. <laughs> Is that a birthday card over there, by the way? Yes. I so wanted to ask you this. It's my best friend's okay. daughter's ninth birthday today. That explains so a lot. I'm, so I'm leaving here uh, after the show, heading over to Dave and Buster's, and you know we're gonna. I, I can only stay for a little bit because I got Bruce. So, so I saw the card, and it, it says like "Happy Birthday, little girl" on it, and I thought Glenn might have left you a card <laughs> as a joke. No, and and just play, you know played a little practical joke on it you. Just, I, that would have been great by Glenn, by the way. That would have been yeah. amazing. If you'd um, he, I mean, he's been known to call me a little girl, especially when I cry about the. There Orioles. we go. Um. <laughs> But so I cried about the Orioles like a little girl last, last Sunday because they lost one to nothing to one of the worst pitching staffs in all of baseball. Seven runs in three games against the Red Sox. Monday we went to dinner, had a nice time uh, with Laura's parents. Tuesday um, went to dinner with my mom and my stepdad, and that was nice. My actual birthday celebration though was on Wednesday, okay. and we took the Jimmy Seafood bus trip down to DC. Okay, caught the Nationals game. 
the um, the Orioles Nationals game. I enjoyed the stadium, not my favorite, Sorry. but 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 they had an open concourse, and I and I think that that's huge. Um, I liked the food option. Shake Shack was incredible. Yes. Yes. Shake Shack was incredible. Um, and we have really nice seats because J- the Jimmy Seafood stand is right there in section 140. Yep. We had front row of the of the left Very field nice. seats, right? So it, Adley or Gunner could have hit a home run and we w- would have had a chance to catch it. But they didn't. Um, well, Gunner hit a Little League home run. The game, the game, the Orioles were, were they, one run on four hits or five hits against uh, Patrick Corbin, which is just ridiculous because his ERA was like, it was like 6-3 yeah. coming into the game. We have our feet up on the railing, right? There's a railing in front of you, and we have our feet on the bottom rung or the second rung. Mm-hmm. And this lady usher, mm-hmm. um, it's going to burn for me to say this, this, <laughs> this lady usher comes down and literally walks into our row up to me and starts telling everybody to put their feet down. And we're like, what? So we put our feet down. 20 minutes later, she comes back and she says, I'm not going to tell you again. Get your feet off the railing. And then I look over, and the rest of the game, she's standing up on the concourse, <laughs> staring at us the entire time for having our feet on the railing. I, we're Orioles fans. Bunch of Nationals fans to the right of us. Feet on the railing doesn't say a word mm, to them. Not surprising. Doesn't say a word to them. To, uh, it, it, your job, it, like, like she must feel like she has such little power in her job <laughs> that... Yelling at somebody for putting their feet on the bottom rung of a railing that's locked into cement behind a reinforced wall. She like like what's that gonna do? What what are we gonna do with our feet on the rail? Interfere with play, Paul. I don't know. I'm what, kidding. What, I'm what, kidding. What, what are we there, do? there is nothing wrong with that. We did have nice seats next to the Nationals bullpen. Got to see Hunter Harvey up close. <laughs> um but the guys I were with were, were just chastising Lane Thomas in left field okay. the entire time. And then the one girl was flirting with one of the guys in the bullpen. <laughs> they were talking back and forth. It was a cool game. It was a cool atmosphere uh, for the most part. I mean, atmosphere because I was around the Orioles fans. But it was a cool game. We had a great time. I've spent 11 minutes talking about stuff that doesn't matter. Um, let's talk about this game last night. Orioles, um, they're down one nothing after two innings. Uh, Jordan Lyles on a 3-2 count with two outs to Matt Chapman gives up the solo home run, right? They don't have, the Orioles don't get a hit through three innings. They don't get a hit through four innings. And you go to, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, they got a hit in the fourth. Was it the fourth or the fifth? It was the fourth. It had mm. to be. It had to be. Because um, uh, Cedric Mullins tripled in, yes. in his second bat, at bat, which was the fourth inning. And then Adley Rutschman hit his first right-handed home run of the year. He did. Uh, to left field. So that was cool. Orioles are up 2-1. to one. Uh, Scoreless. Fourth inning, then in the fifth inning, 3-2 count, two outs, 2-1. Two Another home run given up by Lyles. Three-run shot by George Springer. Now the Orioles are down 4-2. to two. Uh, Lyles gets through five innings. He gives up the four runs. Then they bring in Joey Crable. He gives up a two-run home run to Matt Chapman. So the Blue Jays win this game last night 6-3. to three. Gunnar Henderson with an Apo Taco, his second career home run, uh, in the in the ninth inning with two strikes and two outs to make it look a little bit closer. But the Orioles were never in this game. With the exception of when they had that 2-1 to lead for an inning and a half, they were never in this game after that. They lose this game 6-3. to The offense is a glaring hole. It's glaring how bad this offense is. You know, you let Patrick Corbin shut you down. You let a guy in Trevor Richards who had a five and a half, an ERA above 5.5, and, yeah. and he comes in and he shuts you down. Yeah. And you're at a point now where it's like, okay, 
you're now six games back of the Blue Jays. You're now four and a half. You're still four and a half games back of Tampa Bay. Yeah. You've got 19 games to play. You've got your what? What is it? 75 and 68. Is it 75 and 68? 75 yeah. and 68. 19 games left to play. Realistically, they need to go 14 and five or 15 and four. The rest of the yeah. way, if they want any chance, and keep in mind, Tampa Bay owns the tiebreaker, right? Because they won the the season series against the Orioles, ten games to nine. I, the, I don't think it's any secret this is an uphill climb. The the the, the, the I think that the the Orioles making the the playoffs is one hundred percent unrealistic. It, at I, this point, it's yeah. it's not going to happen. Right, it's not going to happen. So now, I don't know, man. Part of me feels like I can take a breath. Right, part of me feels like I can sit there and I can say, "Okay, let's get rid of some of this angst, some of this anxiety, some of the ire of the lineup decisions and the bullpen decisions sure. that I've been angry about the last six weeks." And you can start not caring as much. Well, it's not even that I don't care. Now I can just start looking at this team and saying, "This has been a successful year." Yeah. And let's win as many as we can, get as many games above five hundred as we can. Yeah. And then go into the off season feeling like. We were this close. Right. Feeling like the Blue Jays felt at the end of last year. Or like the Mariners felt at the end of last year. Where it's like, you right. were this close, but you came up a little bit short. Mm-hmm. So let's retool, let's revamp, and let's get after it in 2023. And then be the Mariners or the Blue Jays yeah. next year. And really make a run at a, play, a playoff contention. Right. And look, that's not to take it. This team made a serious run of playoff contention this year. They did. At one point, they held a wild card spot in August. They did. And that's impressive, especially when you consider they won 52 games last year. They've already won 33 more games than they won last year. If the season ended right now, it's a success. Right. You don't. I mean, if they lost all 19 games from here on out, you'd be pretty pissed off. But if you looked at it from the grand uh, in the whole on the whole spectrum, if you told me at the beginning of the year Orioles would win 75 games, I'd have taken that. I would sign up for that in blood. Well, they're going to be in the 80s, and that's what's. You're gonna you're gonna look at this season in 2023 and and feel very happy about what they were able to do. I I, I really look. I I don't think if this team made the playoffs they'd go that far anyway. It's it's right. not like that. We never said this was a World Series contender. Right. So look, I mean, is it really a huge deal that they don't make the playoffs? They're building for 23 and beyond. Mm-hmm. I think that's always been the goal. Mm-hmm. So even though this season is great. I don't think they're deviating from that goal at all. And I still think that is the the primary assumption that they're going to be competitive in 2023, but not only for a playoff spot, but for a World Series spot. And I think it's going to be a lot better of a team than it was this year. And you're going to look back finally on this year and go, hey, they outdid all expectations. Sure, they didn't they didn't go all the way, but that's not what they were supposed to do. And I think that's fine. And I texted you that last night. Like I, I'm very happy about where this team is and what they've done. And I'm proud of the way this team has played and battled. And I think they've they've been through a lot of adversity and they, they came from really the bottom to the top in, in one year. And that's something to be really proud of. Oh, absolutely. And what Zach's alluding to is last night I said, man, this is a really... Um, well, I'm paraphrasing because I remember the exact text, but I said, this is a hard fall. Yeah, you said it was a watch. hard fall. This, yeah. this is a hard fall to watch. And, and Zach said... I, I'm not upset that they came up short because yeah. this season is a success. This off season is going to be it's right. going to be really fun, and then next year is going to be amazing. And he's absolutely right. And I'm not saying that this year has been a failure because the Orioles are going to miss the playoffs. I'm not saying that. Um, what I'm saying is they played so well mm-hmm. in June, July, and August, and and they started September five and zero. Yeah, didn't didn't they? No. 
Uh, they started. I mean, they were doing well. I don't know. They, if they, they, they started September pretty hot. They did. Right. Yeah. And so you're looking at this, and you're like, oh man, they're playing really well, and yeah. then. They fell off a cliff. And I think you got to remember, I mean, there's so many guys that we look back on, and it, I know they, they always do the, the sporkle at the end of the year where you've mm-hmm. got to name all the players in the Orioles. And there's going to be so many that you forget because they were insignificant pieces. And you hope that in 2023 that won't be the case. More right. significant pieces and better players. Guys like Odor, sure, he's a great clubhouse guy, but there's going to be a better player there next year. Yeah. And that will give you a better chance toward an actual playoff run. If the Orioles made the playoffs this year, again, they're not going that far. So you've got to be proud of what they were able to do with this team that they had. And you mentioned Odor, and I'm, and I'm glad you did. Um, and this isn't to hate on him. I just I was listening to the radio yesterday, and Rich Dubroff yeah. uh, was talking about. He's like, since since the beginning of August, uh, Ruth Neto Odor has been his numbers have been really bad. And I looked at his numbers. So I was like, mm-hmm. I don't think they've been any worse than his season. Numbers. Uh, it's about the about the same. It, his his yeah. season numbers are 199 <laughs> with like a 266 on base percentage going mm-hmm. into yesterday's game. Since August 1st, he was batting, going into last night's game, he was batting 196 with a 299 on base percentage. So you can argue that his numbers were actually better since August. But that's that's what we're talking about, is that next year you're not going to be rostering guys like that. You're not going to have guys on on your team that hit that way because of the vibes. Now you're going to have guys that hit really well and still give you good vibes. Um, And and it's my, my... dismay my disappointment is not that they're going to miss the playoffs because frankly I never expected them to make the playoffs even when they held a wild card spot I just looked at the schedules of all the teams and it seemed unrealistic well at the beginning of the month we said they're playing Toronto I think it was 15 times something in that area it was a lot I mean it was well well Um, over 10 10, no it was 10 times it was 15 15 times in the second half 15 15 times in the last third of the season well we saw that we said look Toronto is a major wild card contender they're a majorly good team Mm -hmm. (laughs) if I keep using that word majorly and they're yeah they're a majorly quality team and they were expected I think they were my world series pick for this they were mine too they're an excellent team stacked across all the positions and Again, you've got to be proud that this team has battled against Toronto and able to come up with some wins. And frankly, when you looked at those 15 times they had to play them in the second half, you said, that's going to be tough. It is. Yeah. And so this isn't you know out of left field. This isn't out of nowhere that the Orioles are you know suddenly uh, falling flat. But I, I think this was you know somewhat expected. But you, again, you've got to be proud to look back and say, well, right, this is great. I my, mean, this, is, this is still great. My... my, my I guess irritation in the moment last night is the fact that they've been playing so well, mm-hmm. and now they're playing their worst baseball since May. And it's no coincidence that it's against the Toronto Blue Jays, right? They've lost four or five to the Blue Jays in the last in the last ten days. I would say generally too, it's once you get to September, we talk about the dog days of summer. Mm-hmm. That's what you know. That's what it comes down to. And guys get tired. Guys get exhausted. I don't know if I necessarily see that in the Orioles right now. I don't know if I see exhaustion. I just see a lineup that can't consistently put enough runs on the board to to uh, well, help the pitching out. Well, let, let's let's be real here. Uh, Austin Hayes, uh, we've been talking about how how bad his bat's been, yeah. and then he had five hits in three games. Yep. But I think three of those hits were bloops that fell in. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not like he was stroking Definitely. the ball. Yeah. You know, he I mean, in in DC on Wednesday, he had that blue double, yeah. He, but he had he had a hard double off the off the left field wall. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And but the bat's just not not good right, right. now. Ryan Mountcastle, ideally, probably shouldn't be hitting third or fourth for you, yeah. right? Ryan Mountcastle's a guy who should probably hit fifth or sixth for you and be surrounded by guys that can drive the ball so and get on base so yeah. that he sees more pitches to hit. Okay, 
Anthony Santander, and the bat's fallen off the last week, and you know because you had him in take to rig. I do. Um, Anthony Santander, he's hitting 249 right now. The average was up to like 267 mm-hmm. at one point, and he's down to he's down to 249. They don't have that one guy in the middle of the lineup. Yeah. And and next year it might be Gunner. Next year it might be a free agent that they bring in. But next year it might be Adley. There's pieces here. But here's the thing. If you're going down the stretch and you need to win as many games as possible, mm-hmm. the, the lineup with Gunner Henderson up now, Ramona Rios should be playing second base every day. And Gunner Henderson should be playing third base right. every day. And Mateo at shortstop. And Ma- yeah. with, with Mateo at shortstop, Mount Castle at first. Yeah. Uh, either Hazer Stowers in left, Mullins in center, Santander in right, Rutschman catching, and then your DH is either Stowers or Hayes right. or... Whichever one's not in left field. Then. Right. Yeah. Guys, you know who I'm thinking of. <laughs> Stink bombs I shouldn't do. be in the lineup. Right, this shouldn't be, an, and that's the problem is that he's going to keep playing. Of course, and the the real issue here is that the Orioles didn't do themselves any favors because there were games that they that they that should have been wins. Frankly, should have been wins. You play Pittsburgh, you have you win the first two games, you put Odor at third base in that in that final game of the series. He botches a, a play. The, uh, Spencer Watkins retired thirteen straight batters to start that game. And then you put Odor at you have Odor at third base. He misplays a ball because he do, he doesn't play the the correct hop, and it becomes an infield single. Next thing you know, it's a four run inning, and that, that they would have been out of the inning with with no runs if he played that ball correctly. You play and you lose that game eight to three. You play the Oakland Athletics. You win the first two games. You lose game three five to nothing because it's not a representative lineup of what of, of what sure. your best team is. You play the Blue Jays back in mid August and you know that the Blue Jays are coming. You know they're a good team. You have a chance to sweep them. You put out a bad lineup that doesn't hit until it's too late. You put you pull uh, your starting pitcher who's cruising, allowed two hits on eighty on like eighty six pitches through six innings. You pull him and on the, in the next inning your bullpen gives up six runs. Right. You get swept in a doubleheader lose three or four, then you lose last night. You lose the one-game series to the Red Sox. You lose two or three last weekend. You lose Saturday 17-4. to four. That's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. That's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It was. All right? It was. And Jordan Lyles goes out there and in three innings gives up eight runs. That's embarrassing. And then you go out the next day needing to win, and you don't put out a representative lineup, and guess what? You lose a ball game to that terrible pitching staff, one to nothing. Embarrassing. You also lost the one game to the Cubs, and the Cubs aren't a good team. No. The Cubs aren't a good team. These are games you need to win. Right. Imagine if the Orioles are able to beat Pittsburgh, if they're able to sweep Pittsburgh, if they're able to sweep the A's, if they're able to beat the the, the Cubs, if they're able to beat the Red Sox in that one game because it, it, without bringing in Nick Vespi to face a soft-throwing lefty to face a guy who murders left-handed pitching. And imagine if they win two of three instead of losing two of three. You've got five extra wins. You're, you, have yeah. eight, you have 80 <laughs> wins right now, and you are currently either right in or just on the outside looking in of a play, you're probably in a playoff spot. These are games you need to win, and they and you say games in April, games in May. Well, they don't matter. They all matter. Every game matters. Maybe not as much as the NFL, but they all matter. Right. So not putting forth your best effort to win a baseball game. That's why I get so mad because you had last weekend against the A's or the weekend before, excuse me, against the A's. Toronto was playing Pittsburgh. What did Toronto do? They swept Pittsburgh. Sure, because they they have to. Right. Right. What did the Orioles do? They lost five to nothing on Sunday against a really bad Athletics team, because they didn't put out a good lineup. And, and I get into this all the time, 
this is like you have to sweep that series. Yeah. You can't lose two or three to the Red Sox. You have to win these games. And 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 there's no care about the lineup that he's, that, that's, that's being put out. Yeah. It's well, day game after night game. I want to give my guys some rest and rest them throughout the week. Right. You have to win these games. And you're not. And that's why you're not going to make the playoffs. Well, I, I think one thing, too, and maybe this is a counterpoint, but also it, it goes along with what you're saying, that the Orioles have an offseason coming up where they can make additions to add to depth across the board. And they have the farm system that's going to keep producing players to where putting out a punt lineup isn't a punt, if that makes sense. Where the good teams, like the Toronto Blue Jays, and like, yeah. like even the Yankees before they were really injured, are putting out lineups where even on the bad days, the lineup is still really good, and 1-9 can Dodgers get you a hit when on, you need it. The Dodgers on any given day have like two or three guys that right. are 30 home and, guys and, on their bench. And they have the opportunity. The Orioles do. They've said they're going to spend. They have the opportunity to make sure that that bench is as strong as possible. And I, I think that's going to make a big difference. A, a guy like uh, that replaces Torinos, a guy that replaces Odor, a guy that maybe even replaces McKenna. People are going to hate me for saying that. But people who can come in, players I should say, who can come in and give you consistent hits, even on the B team or C team days, that's really that's really important. And that could be really effective for the Orioles going forward. I think if they just make the punt lineups a little more effective across the, uh, across the well, board, then, well, they're going to be a but, lot better but, of, uh, but, but, of a squad. But then they're not punt lineups. And to be fair to Ryan... Oh, right, they're not going to be. To be fair to Ryan McKenna... He did an okay season. The... Yeah. the, the, the he didn't really start that much. I, I, I felt like he started a lot. I, I looked at mm-hmm. his overall numbers um, yeah. with regards to the team's record when he plays. In the last 11 games he started, the Orioles are 8-3. and three. Now, and you wonder how many of those games was he removed and they weren't playing the person that replaced. Because like on Wednesday, he started that game. He went 0-2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't have a good game. He gets taken out for, in favor of Cedric Mullins. Mullins goes 2-2, two for two, scores two runs, and, start, and, and helps start that rally. Um... Where they ended up scoring, I think it was three or four runs in in the seventh inning. Yeah, my point isn't as much him as it is. Well, no, but, but Chirinos. But, no, no, but but then and then McKenna. Overall, the teams, I think, 50, I think they're sixty and thirty three in games okay. that he plays, and they're twenty three and fifteen overall in okay. his in in his starts. So, but you also have to think, take into account that a lot of times he's coming in when the Orioles are leading as a ninth defensive inning, rempla- sure. defensive replacement in the ninth inning. But nonetheless. I think McKenna has a role as a fourth outfielder. Yeah, give give Santa call. He has a role as a fourth outfielder. Uh, I just I, I, I don't, don't disagree ever, with that. I, at all. I, I mean, how often would you see Gerard Dyson starting? No, not often. Right. I, 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 I'm I, just saying, if you can maximize the the, the production no, no, Zach, off the bench, Zach, that you, would be my you, goal. You and I, you and I agree. You and I, you and I absolutely agree that next year and the years coming and the, and the years moving forward, the bench players are going to be a lot better. They're not going to be guys that hit 299. They hit 199. I hope they hit 299. Um, they're not going to be guys that are hitting 199. Uh, another thing that we didn't really get to is Jordan Westberg goes five for five last night. He's slashing 339, 408, 629 in September with an OPS well above uh, 1,000 with four home runs, 17 RBIs, and six doubles. Grayson Rodriguez, five scoreless last night on 72 pitches. And to me... Zach, it looks like the Orioles are getting Grayson Rodriguez back to as close as they can get him before to where he was uh, before he got injured. Last night, five shutout innings on 72 pitches. He's being ramped up to 
to pitch five, six, seven innings. Yeah, five innings was kind of the, the number he was going a lot before the injury. So right. that's, that's good to see, and that's uh, good but, to see they have the confidence in him to let him go. And he was far. going into the sixth and occasionally into the seventh this year. Yeah. His pitch counts were getting up in the 90s, up close to 100. 72 pitches in his third start back from injury mm-hmm. I, I don't think is insignificant. No, last night, um, and I think that means we're probably going to see him at some point in the next in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but before we get into that, we do have Stan, the fan Charles, on the line with us as always. Stan, good morning to you. Thanks for taking some time for us. How are you today? I'm great. So you don't want my opinion on that? No, I do. I just I'm great. You're, right. You're going to get into that when you get hang up from me. No, 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 no. We, we were... Oh, I was, okay. It sounded like that. You said before we get into that, we'll talk to Stan the fan. No, we, I was going to so bring I it up. You didn't want my, my take on Grayson Rodriguez. I do. I was going to get into it later in the conversation. It's in the notes. It's in the, it's, notes. It's in the notes. But I, you know kidding. what? I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. Okay. 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 Um, Orioles and Jays last night, Stan. Um, I had notes in here about how do you feel about them putting the game on Apple TV, um, but Zach informed me that you don't have to pay for it right now, that the game is free on Apple TV. Uh, probably won't be that the case after this year. So we'll skip over that. Stan, the Orioles, the offense, they kind of... Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I, I don't think that it will be a paid game next year. You don't think they're going to make people pay for Apple TV next year to watch these games? I, 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 Apple TV, you know, you, you have it on a lot of different platforms. I, I We have it. We've had it for a couple of years. And you're making it sound like they just sort of the Orioles, the, the tenor of the conversation seems to be, boy, they took the Oriole game off of Masson and put it on. They've been doing this all year with different teams. It was it was our turn to I be know. on the game. I know. It's, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's the second time that they, that they played. The other one was, okay. that, was that epic comeback in, in Boston where they ended up, they were right. down 6 nothing. Right. and they ended up winning that right. game. Right. Um, right. Right. And so, but Look, my, would I, would I would prefer, I would have preferred to have my mass in broadcast, but I did not feel deprived. I think the sad thing, not sad, they really haven't done great homework on a lot of these things that are on other platforms. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're over, if you're over 45 or 50 years old, you don't know what everything means that it's streaming, you know. They, they need to do a better job of explaining to you that it's not really on your cable. It's on your, you know, you have to go to a different location on your TV. I heard there were many, many people Thursday night with the game on Amazon Prime, the football game, mm-hmm. that didn't understand that it wasn't on their cable, literally on their cable. Yeah. They were going, what damn channel is this on? And they weren't even on the right platform. <laughs> That's a education process to make. Yeah, that, that 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 needs to be addressed. And and and, and say yeah. the overall ire for me wasn't the fact that that the Orioles are on on Apple TV because every team's had to do it. I right. get I get that. I thought that they were going to eventually start making you have to pay for it. And if you're already paying for, for cable to have it or a regional sports network, and then you have to pay for yeah. another streaming service to watch your team, I didn't think that was fair. But if that's not the case, okay. then I'll take a step back. Now, in my, now that you now that you phrased it that way, I, it, you may you may have to pay for Apple TV, but but it's not just paying for the game of the week; it's right. paying for the full full. Sure. Right. Yeah, they offer a lot of. A lot of very high level entertainment. They, they, they really do. do. They do. You are you are yeah. absolutely yeah. correct. Now, if, as for the game itself, 
stand. Jordan Lyles, four runs in five innings. Pitched last night. His previous start, he gave up eight runs in three innings. And the previous start before that, he didn't make it because he was sick. And this was a guy that the Orioles paid... Um, brought in this off the last offseason to eat innings for them, but also because of what he did in September, where he went 5-0 and with a sub-3 ERA. And he's not doing that in uh, this September. You know, the runs came on a solo shot by Matt Chapman and a three-run shot by George Springer. Then Joey Crable comes in and gets the two-run homer, gives up the two-run homer to Chapman. Orioles' offense couldn't keep up last night. Is this kind of the writing-on-the-wall moment where it's like, you know what, they're it's probably over at this point. Now it's win as many games as you can, but the playoffs are probably out of reach. Um, again, I wrote that column last week. Uh, the playoff candle, the Orioles playoff candle is flickering, mm-hmm. but it hasn't been extinguished yet. It's not, it's not quite over yet. Not but, quite over, right. It, no, it's not quite over yet. But I think the Orioles really do need to go in a five of six or six in a row streak to have any chance, and it's got to start today. Yeah, the, you know, the, and, there aren't and, many. There aren't many losses left in the. Uh, they they backed themselves into a corner now, uh, mm-hmm. but you know the fact that Tampa lost three out of uh, four, three out of five mm-hmm. to Toronto, and the fact that they have Toronto again. Um, you know, maybe I, our my eyeballs were on the wrong team, thinking we were going to pass Toronto and. And Bo Bichette has almost single-handedly, you know, changed the equation with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. Well, Uh, Stan, I'll tell you, though. It's cool. Yeah, go ahead. Go Uh, ahead. I'm sorry. They're six games back at Toronto right now with five games left to play against them. Right. They're four and a half but, back of but Tampa we're only Bay. Four, yeah, we're, we're but only four in the loss column behind Tampa Bay. But it's more like five because Tampa Bay holds the tiebreaker. Yeah, because we're yeah, holds the tiebreaker. No right. question so, so about it. The, in my guess, in my estimation, Stan, the Orioles in the last 19 games they're going to have to go 14 and five or 15 and four if they want a realistic shot at getting to the playoffs. And I know that Tampa Bay still has to play a few more games against Toronto, uh, but the Orioles mm-hmm. also have three against New York and they have four against and the four Astros. Against the yep, yep. And then yep, they have yep. three or four more against the Red Sox, who they've lost four or seven to in the last month. So right. it's 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 going to be tough sledding. They're they're not mathematically eliminated. But in my mind, they their shots of making the playoffs are about as good as me playing on their team next year. That's that's yeah. that, that's kind of how I look at it. Not to be the, the, the crazy the crazy thing about this is we don't know who we we really don't know who's going to be two on a given day. So two days from now, we can look foolish by saying it's over because Tampa could lose two games. Uh, and we win two games, and we and we win two against Toronto, obviously, sure. the next two days. And all of a sudden, Monday, you go, hey, this doesn't look quite as bad with us having four against Detroit, while uh, this Tampa go, Toronto goes to Philly for a couple of games. Mm-hmm. And Tampa has, I forget who Tampa plays this week, but uh, in the midweek. But it's, it's getting down to the... Uh, to the nut crunching time. I'll tell uh, you, I, no question about it. Fang, uh, Fangraphs has the the percentage at one point three, and they've been notoriously uh, skeptical of the O's playoff run coming this year. But one point three mm-hmm. is pretty low. Well, well, the way the offense is playing right now, that that looks that looks to be accurate, but it, you never know. And uh, what what can happen is we could get lifted up by the pitchers that we really are counting on. Uh, 
what what became painfully clear to me the last ten days is Jordan Wiles was was a terrific. Uh, he was a terrific get this year for one year. Be a, a huge mistake, in my opinion, to bring him back now. And earlier in the year, I wasn't saying that. Um, he he was the guy that needed to sort of go out there and pitch a shutdown game. Yeah, and he didn't do it last week, and he didn't do it. Nobody's going to get upset that he got sick, but he didn't do it when he came back. He pitched a lousy game, and last night was absolutely just. Uh, yeah, you, he had you, like two decent innings. You, know? you brought him in to be that veteran guy, and in a, and you, look, you didn't expect to be in this situation when you brought him in, but he's supposed to be that guy now, where he's a veteran leadership, and he can give you that start and say, you know what, give me the ball, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this thing around and get, and and help us Ooh. march to the playoffs, and he hasn't or, done, or or at least or at least we lose two to one last night, you know, something like that, two to one, three to one, you go, well, he pitched the, he pitched. He pitched good. You know, nobody's saying he's going to sh- totally shut down the Blue Jays. Right. He did hard. not give his team. He, he did not give his team a chance to win last night no. at, when it mattered most. And he's due to make if he if the Orioles were to exercise the option, as I understand his contract, he's going he goes from being a seven point five million dollar guy to an eleven million dollar guy. That's correct. And you can't you can't convince me that that the bar needs to be, Luke and I talk about it all the time, uh, Luke Jackson, our managing editor, the bar has to be higher for what you want. Even yeah. if you go, even if you go get, surprise us and go get a real number one, an 18, $20 million guy, and, and you were still thinking of bringing Lyle back for one more year, don't do it. He's, he's not worth it. Yeah, you, you, you need to focus. You need to focus on, on what you have here and giving them an opportunity. I'd much rather see next year and Austin Voth, what he could do with a full year under his belt working with Chris Holt than watching Jordan Wiles again. I, I yeah. agree, and he's, still, and, he, and he's still under team control, so he's a very cheap option. And, and you're right, yep. Stan. Like, like today, they have Kyle Bradish, who has gone. Kyle Bradish, you take away the start against the Blue Jays um, the, mm-hmm. last week. He yeah. has... His other three starts wrapped around that, seven innings or more, two hits or less in all three of those yep. starts. He's been absolutely yep. fantastic. He's going today. You got Dean Kramer going tomorrow. And then we were talking a little bit to open the segment about Grayson Rodriguez. He goes five shutout innings last night uh, on 72 pitches. Uh, is this a guy that you think could come up and help the Orioles down the stretch here and then really make it, really get his feet wet and give himself some confidence moving into next year where he's undoubtedly going to be a member of your opening day rotation? Well, I, I found the oddest thing that the Orioles did in the past two weeks. And, and yeah, we were kind of waiting for the shoe to drop on right. uh, Spencer Watkins and, and, and this group of that, that had been so good for six weeks, you know night in and night out. But I found that the effort to ramp up um, uh, Tyler Wells and what they're doing with Grayson, I find it very head-scratching to me. You know, to me, the the issue, and now maybe they'll say, oh, come on, we knew the shoe was going to drop on Austin Voth and, and Lyles was going to fade, and we knew that. But ramping up, Tyler Wells and Grayson Rodriguez in the month of September, um, it struck me as odd. I mean, I thought there were a couple innings 
that I would have much rather had a Grayson Rodriguez come come in when the Orioles might have been down three to one or something rather than have Joey Crable come in, right. you know, uh, yeah. for an inning. Uh, and you still would have gotten his quote unquote feet wet uh, that he would be still in great shape next year. This effort to ramp him, Grayson Rodriguez, up to what end? So he pitches once we're like eliminated, or you know, I, I it just struck me as very odd. Yeah, and that, I don't really necessarily want him fully ramped up and trying extra hard in a starting assignment the last two weeks of the season uh, when he's coming back from a significant injury. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, Stan, I I get it. I, I and Tyler Wells. Uh, uh, the, to me, that was the biggest head scratcher of the season was having him come in to start in place of Dean Kramer. Um, and we talked yeah, about I, that. I, that, that totally, was... I totally agree. I totally agree with you. To me, you got Dean Kramer, and not that Dean didn't do what he had done. He pitched well, mm-hmm. and again, he didn't. He didn't take away your chance to win the way Lyles w- was so ineffective. Uh, Kramer had one bad inning, and we give anybody a, a, you know, a mulligan on one bad inning, you know. But the question was the 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 absence that they had in in on their pitching staff wasn't a ramped up Tyler Wells it was who's going to take place of those innings that Jorge Lopez was pitching when he was pitching really well out of the bullpen right you know so you expanded that three men that you have great faith in in Bautista um Sinel Perez and uh Tate they expanded to four people because, you know, it, that's what you need. You need four really strong arms out in that bullpen that you trust. And, and they you, only had three. They only had three for about three weeks. You know, do three, you think weeks. that that now means that in the offseason, the Orioles are going to make finding a legitimate relief pitcher? Not one of these waiver claims, because they have five waiver claims in there. A le- right. legitimate relief pitcher. Do you think that, that, that the Orioles will make that a priority in free agency in the offseason? I, I think it's possible that they do. Uh, you know, I, I'd have to be sitting with Elias and hear sort of, you know, like a sort of an exit uh, interview at the end of uh, at the end of the regular season if they, if they held one of those with the press uh, to sort of really see where his mind is at. I wouldn't want to pay. They've done such a good job at the at the Cnel Perez level, the Baker level. And, and to some extent, Craybull, but Jorge Lopez, that that I don't know that they're going to want to spend like two years, $22 million on a really top-notch relief pitcher, yeah. you know, even though he's not going to be the closer. Or even two years, $15 million, you know, to get a really good good relief arm in here. Because that's what those guys get nowadays, yeah, you know, it's true. the guys that you know you can count on. So I don't know if that's going to be a priority. I think the priority number one, they've got to figure out whether, um, you know, Austin Hayes is really, you know, a piece that they believe in. Uh, I think he will be part of trade discussions, but I don't know exactly what he's going to, what he's going to bring in a deal. But if you sweeten that deal with a, a Jordan Westberg or a Connor Norby, somebody, you know, and and go to a team that uh, believes in Hayes. Maybe, maybe you can swing a meaningful deal there. You know? Yeah, 
Uh, they, they they need uh, they legitimately probably need one or two free uh, legitimate uh, free agent starting pitchers and a, and a bat for the middle of the order. They 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 need yeah. a, a they need a a bat that that strikes fear into opposing lineups and that elongates this this lineup. In my I, opinion, I, I my gut feeling is that the, the the number one starter that will come they will figure out somebody that they want to target in a trade. I agree uh, that that isn't quite as expensive and. My my personal favorite. I've sort of scoured uh, a number of pitchers, you know, that I'd like. I would love to see. I, I would first want to talk to Chris Holt and say, "Can you fix what went wrong with this guy this year?" But I think Lucas Giolito would be my would be the level guy that, I, like two three years ago, looked like a dominant number one pitcher, and it it never got fully polished. And he'd be a guy that is much better than a Jordan Lyles. And if you really unlock the secret of what what he's failed at, I think you could have like a number one starter that would be really dynamic, you know. He was my pick to win the Cy Young in the American League ahead of the 2021 season, and then he I mean, he wasn't bad yeah. in 2021. He was bad this year. He, isn't he wasn't great. He wasn't great in 2021, but he's really been off. Yeah, and he turned down. He turned down, I believe the contract I read, he turned down a four-year, $48 million contract. He's coming off of a poor season. I wouldn't want to make the trade with him unless I had a window to discuss contract and was able mm-hmm. to, to sign him for like a three- or four-year contract before right. I'd give up meaningful prospects for him. I wouldn't do it on a one-year deal. Yeah, I I honestly believe that this offseason we're going to see a number of trades. We're going to and we're going to see a number of signings. I I I everything Mike Elias has said he was going to do since he got here, he's done. So if he says that he's going to go out and spend money this offseason and it's quote unquote Mm lift off from here, I have to take him at his word and believe that that's what he's going to do. So now, excuse me, excuse me. Now, Stan, um, despite probably not making the postseason, still a successful season. If somebody were to come up to you. And ask you to describe this season to, to, to recap this season. How would you describe it, and how would you describe the future of the franchise to that same person? Uh, I think it was a, a season of tremendous growth, and they did get some answers. You know, unfortunately for me, the two guys that are sticking out for me are still Mountcastle and Hayes mm-hmm. that have that have moved off of like my belief that at the end of last year that these were two sort of really solid pieces that the club would build around. I think both of them have moved into, you know, I mean, they're, they're both talented players, but I, I don't know if they're, they're long-term answers here. Mm-hmm. You know? um, That's my mm-hmm. biggest disappointment, but overall a lot of growth, um, and most notably, uh, I think we know that Chris Holt and and the secret sauce that he and the analytics people have cooked up is something pretty special. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think that Mountcastle is still going to be a really solid player. I just I think he had a bad couple of months, and uh, and again, that's why I think it's very important to get somebody to put in the middle of the order to put as a four hitter to move him down to a five or six slot. And I think it just makes him better. But we'll we'll have a lot to, a lot of time to talk about that next season once he, once all I, that. I just started. again 
Again, mm. he came up to bat last night, and I saw the on-base percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what people are seeing when they say he's going to be a really solid player. The, he has the, 296 per- on-base percentage. You know, yeah, he, he, That's not a really solid player to me. I think, I think the problem with first baseman is today that they really need to hit. They need to stand out because there are so mm-hmm. many of them, and they can be replaced so easily. So he's definitely going to have to hit next year if he wants to keep his spot because 294 isn't good enough. Yep. That's what he's currently sitting at. And I, I, I will say that's not good enough, but I do think the raw talent is there for mm-hmm. him to become what he was in 2021, even though the on-base percentage still wasn't high enough for me I, last and year. I, and I believe that his hard hit rate, his barrel rate, his exit velocity uh, are up, and I, think, and I believe his strikeout rate is down. From last year, so the the, the peripherals there, the the talent is there. He's just like you said, Stan. It's his swing decision that 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 holds him back, and he's got to figure out a way to maybe lose some of that aggressiveness because if he can't get on base, they they know they don't have to throw a strike to get he, him back. He seems like he's just a great, you know, and he's an. There's no question he's a nice kid. He's a tremendous athlete. You can see that the work that he put into becoming a good first baseman. Mm-hmm. has really paid off. And that says something about his the earnestness with which he approaches his craft. But that that notion that, you know, his 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 swing decisions, you know, at this point it's pretty baked into to his DNA as a player that yeah. that's what you have. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh that the notion that he's suddenly gonna be a three forty five to three sixty on base guy which is really what, to uh, to Zach's point, that's what you want your first baseman to be, you know. And and they've got to be kind of on base machines. That if they that if they're not producing uh, runs, they're they're helping the offense produce runs, you know. Right. And right. I just I just see when it becomes a topic of conversation, he'll put together, you know, a week or ten days where he'll hit three home runs. And everybody goes, ooh, I, we can't criticize Brian McAllen. He's really good. And then he, he reverts right back to it, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a reason that the offense, and it's not just as simple as where people are batting or anything like that. There's a reason this offense is, has, has fallen the last six weeks, and it, it still has to do with that on-base percentage. Yep. There's not enough people on base uh, it's it's too similar in in its makeup. It's too similar still at this point, even with Rutschman and Henderson improving it. It's still too similar to the 2014 to 17 Orioles, you know, yeah. where the on-base percentage is just weren't good enough. Well, yeah, and, and, and that was the problem where you would get, you'd see Mullins and Rutschman get on base to start an inning with nobody out, and then you have Santander, whose walk rate has gone up significantly this year, but he's still an aggressive swinger. Then you have Ryan Mountcastle, mm-hmm. and then you have Austin Hayes, and you're looking yep. you're looking at guys who don't have great on-base capabilities, and you don't need to throw them a strike mm-hmm. to get them out, and you're absolutely yep. right, Stan. That's a, that's a big that's a big problem with your three when your three, four, five hitters are the same type of hitter. And um, if you and if you've noticed that that manager Brandon Hyde right now with what he has clearly doesn't. I'm not saying he doesn't have any faith in Austin Hayes. Hayes is batting seventh and eighth now. Mm-hmm. You know he's not. He he his manager does not believe he's one of his more productive hitters. No, he, and he that, hasn't been for three months. That's a bad. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, all right, Stan, two two more questions for you before we let you go yep. today. 
Who is your most valuable Oriole? I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Who's your most valuable Oriole? Well, you know, uh, my most valuable Oriole overall it was Adley Rutschman. Yeah. Uh, in terms of in terms of what the team did once he arrived, and there was no question, there was sort of a sea change. Uh, and it was really nice to see him finally hit one from the right hand side last night. Yeah. You know, it was a really, that was really good. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a he's a very special ball player. There's no question about it. You know, Matt Kremenitzer, who writes uh, for Press Box. I don't know if you guys have had him on or not. A few times. He Young ran guys. his own. He, yeah, he he ran his own little informal poll on Facebook the other night, and I was amazed how many he got. At the time that I read the blurb, uh, he had about 950 votes. If you had one, if you only had one, would it be Rutschman or Henderson? And it was 83% Rutschman and 17% Henderson. Yeah, I think a year or two from now, we're going to be in a, in a... I'm not saying it'll go the other way, 83 to 17 but I think you're going to be more like 50-50. I think Henderson is really a special hitter. Uh, he's, you know? I, think he, I think he's becoming a star. I, th- I think he's becoming yeah, an absolute he, star. I think, he's the be- I think he's going to be the best player on the team for yeah, the next his, five uh, to seven, eight years. What he's doing as a youngest player in Major League Baseball as a rookie right now um, and knowing that knowing at 21, that, at 21. Yeah. yeah. And, and knowing the improvements yeah. that he looked at the weaknesses that he had last year, worked on them in mm-hmm. the off season and made them strengths this year. And then yep. thinking about him doing that at the major league level and he's already playing so well, it's, it's yep. super exciting to know that those two, that he and yep. Rutschman are going to be in this lineup for years to come. It's very yep. exciting. Yep. And now yep. finally had a big Twitter debate yesterday, yep. Stan, who is okay. your AL MVP? Is it Aaron judge or is it Shohei Otani? Um, I'm a firm believer that the MVP needs to come from a team that's a contender. I agree. Okay. I know Cal Ripken won it one year in, uh, I forget what year it was, 80. 91. Uh, 90, 91. Yeah. And I know Ernie Banks won two of them in the National League uh, in 19, I think, 57 and 58. Mike but Trout has three, and he's place. played one playoff game. Mike Trout, right. Mike Trout has right. three, and he's played one playoff game. Right. Now, to me, it's simple, very simple. You need to add an award that is the, the best player of the season. Mm-hmm. And I'm not so sure that Aaron Judge wouldn't win both for me uh, yeah. this year. Uh, he's been an absolute monster. But when you talk about MVP, he's the MVP of, uh, of the season. He's going to break know? a 61-year-old. Yeah. He's going to break Go a 61-year-old um, home run record in the American League this year on a team that's going to win their division and he, he has a shot at, at a triple crown. If that's not the end, I know yep. what Shohei Otani has done. His team's 30 games under 500. Yep. I know what he's done. Yep. And he did it last year, and he'll probably do it again next year. But the way I look at it, he, what he gives you, he, he gives you both, but his team doesn't make the playoffs, right? So right. he's, right. you know, judge without judge, the, the Yankees are probably a fringe wild card team this year, and they're going to win their division. To me, it's judged by yep. a landslide. Yeah, you and I are in agreement on that, Paul. No question about it. Stan, great segment as always. Thanks so much. Uh, What do you have coming up this week before we let you go? Uh, Looks like uh, Ross and I, I'm going to the ballgame Monday night with an old friend of mine, so I 
switch the schedule around. We're going to do it at 4 o'clock. We're going to talk former closer of the Orioles, Greg Olson, and we'll sort of talk to him about what 1989 was like being thrown into the pan of a of an unlikely uh, pennant chase and uh, sort of look at some of the similarities with this team. So very cool. Yeah, Greg we, Olson will be our guest. Very, yeah, we have, we have Steve Johns coming up in just a few minutes to talk about the same thing with the 2012 team. So, All right. All right, Stan. You know what? Uh, one quick topic I'd love to hear him talk about. Would he still be playing ball right now if the union, if minor league baseball had been unionized? That's a great question. I'll, I'll ask him that. I'll yeah. ask him that. Yeah. I think there's a, I think there's a bunch of guys that, that are his age that failed like three years ago. And part of it was because of the living conditions and the fact they really just couldn't even earn a living wage, but they would have wanted to keep the dream alive a couple more years, you know? Okay. All right. Well, we, we will right, certainly guys. ask him, have a great weekend, Stan. We'll talk to you soon. All right. You too. See talk you. to you soon. Bye-bye. And that was Stan the Fan, Charles, who has two great shows for you every week, every Monday night. Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. Stan had a busy week. He and Ross caught up with, four, caught up with former Orioles GM Jim Duquette. Plus, he recapped the Maryland Cycling Classic with medalist sports owner uh, Chris Arnholt and Maryland Sports Executive Director Der- Terry Hasseltine. And he previewed the Maryland Five Star with the events president and C- CEO Jeff Newman. You can find these shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. Stan just said he and Ross are back, but at a special time on Monday 4 p.m. since he's going to the ball game. They're have another great show. Former Orioles closer Greg Olson will be on to talk about the 1989 Why Not Orioles. We got to push sounding off again. Um, we got to get a break um, because we have Steve Johnson coming up next. Uh, today's show brought to you by the Maryland Five Star. You can see Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fairhill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Uh, when we come back, uh, former Orioles pitcher and Maryland native Steve Johnson is on the program. That and more next on the Battle Round. Come in for Glory Burgers, Glory Wings. There's glory for everyone at Glory Days Grill. Enjoy their award-winning burgers, ribs, and wings, or try the fresh salads, hand-cut salmon, or the scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for the daily specials every weekday, like $7.99 burgers on Mondays and $6.99 nachos on Thursdays. Dine in and let us serve you, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and take it home. That's glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sport. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back with Season 2 of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And, of course, our co-hosts, Glenn and Rita. What is it, Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at pressboxonline.com slash Bowser. The next Tyus Bowser Show is Tuesday, September 20th at Skipjack's Crab Deck in Middle River. It's brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Grill and Maryland Vascular Specialists. 
Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Trey Mancini. Thanks for having me on, guys. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. The great Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. He is Mr. Kyle Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone from novices to grill masters to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. Constructed out of thick ceramic, the Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at Ginsu. GinsuGrills.com. That's GinsuGrills.com. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever is on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point. Boulevard. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around. I want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by the Tyus Bowser Show. The next one is Tuesday, September 20th at Skipjacks in Middle River. Tyus and a special guest will join Rita and Glenn. This is your opportunity to meet Baltimore football stars while getting the inside scoop on the purple and black. So we'll see you at Skipjacks in Middle River for the Tyus Bowser Show on September 20th. The Tyus Bowser Show is a partnership of Press Box and Great Eights Memorabilia and brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Grill. And if you happen to miss a Tyus Bowser show, no worries. You can check it out Friday nights throughout the season on 105.7 The Fan. Joining us now, he is a Maryland native. He attended the St. Paul School. Um, 
in Balt. I believe it's in Baltimore County. My my two stepbrothers went there. That they and one was president of the class, so I should know exactly where it is. But um, he w- he went to St. Paul's, was drafted by the Dodgers, made his major league debut for the Baltimore Orioles in that magical 2012 season. He is Steve Johnson, and he is live with us on the bat around. Steve, good morning. It's Paul. It's Zach. Thanks for taking some time for us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, we're, we're, we're thrilled to have you. I'm, I'm glad we could have you on because I've been wanting to talk to a former player who played on that 2012 team so we could get a feel for what it was like being in a clubhouse of a team that wasn't expected to be there and yet was. And who better to talk to than a Maryland native and former Oriole, Steve Johnson. So thanks for taking some time for us. Um I assume that because you're from here and because you went to St. Paul's and your dad pitched for the Orioles, that you grew up an Orioles fan. That's correct? Yes. All right. So what what was it like for you to pitch for your hometown team and then pitch for your hometown team in the midst of a playoff push? Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. It was, it was one of those things where, you know, as it's happening, obviously you're trying to get to the big leagues for whoever team wants you. Um, and then obviously once I got traded over, I knew I had the opportunity to, to, to get up. And, um, you know, that 2012 season was, was pretty crazy. And it, it, I don't think a lot of people really remember, I mean, who we all signed uh, in AAA. I mean, I played with Miguel Tejada. We played with, you know, Nate McLeod obviously went up. Um, you know, we had a lot of older guys. We signed Jimmy Moyer. We signed Dontrell Willis. Um, you know, so there's all those guys who were coming through down in AAA and, uh, you know, to be one of the guys that actually got up after all that stuff was going on. Um, and then obviously seeing how good that team was, was doing at the time, it was, it was pretty special for me. And, and, um, then, then obviously we kept winning. And so, uh, to be a part of that was, was pretty special. And then there was the, the thing with, with me and my dad, where he came up during a petting pennant race. And then I came up during a pennant race and, um, pitched some big games down the stretch. So, I mean, I couldn't have asked for, or, you know, anything better other than going all the way and, and, and winning the whole thing, but uh, to have all that happen was was pretty special. Now, not only were you one of the guys that came up, and not only did you get thrust into this pennant race, but you flourished. Twelve games, uh, four starts, two eleven ERA. You go four and zero in that season. Did you feel like every time you took the ball, it was like a playoff type of atmosphere, where like I I, I got to get the job done because we need to win every game that we can. Yeah, I mean, I think you feel that way no matter, yeah, you know, no matter what you're doing. I mean, in in terms of you know being in the minors, you're kind of pitching for your career every every time you go out there. So I feel like the, the young guys that, that that are coming up now, they kind of have that mentality of you know, hey, there's all these people fighting for a few spots. So every time you go out, you're doing as best you can. But obviously, with you know, you get up there, and and once you have that first outing out of the way, and you, you're you're kind of like, wow, okay, so we're winning, and then I'm being put in all these big situations, and you know, you keep doing well and you kind of stop thinking about, you know, can I do this? It's like, okay, well, this is just what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tough part for me was um, I had never really relieved before. I think I, they moved me to the bullpen when, when Jamie, Jamie Moyer came to AAA and went through the, out of the bullpen for the first time in like my whole career. And so that was kind of like a learning experience. And then to obviously go up, I think that helped me once they knew I could do it. Um, and then once I went up, I was kind of doing that swing guy that, you know, I'd go, two weeks without starting. And then, you know, it's like a two inning here, three inning here. Okay. Now give us five innings. Um, and that was kind of tough for me at first, but obviously it's just like, okay, Hey, this is what I have to do. Um, so, you know, that was kind of just a learning experience 
to, to be able to do that in, in the playoff on in the big leagues uh, to kind of like uh, talk to the bullpen guys. Like, how do I warm up differently? It's all different. So um, that was kind of an experience for me, but I'm glad I was able to kind of put it all together for that for that year. Now, when it comes to relieving versus starting, we, we, we've heard it from both sides where some guys like to have that, that, that routine of the every, you're, you know, you're going out there every fifth day, you're taking the ball and you're going to pitch as many innings as you can. Then some guys like the idea of, I don't know if I'm pitching or not today, so I always got to be ready. What was your preference? We know that you came up at, that you uh, came up through the minors as a starter, but you noted that you moved to the bullpen down there when other guys came in. Did you prefer the idea of having the every fifth day, or were you more, I want the ball whenever they want to give it to me? Yeah, it's it's kind of, it's a tough one, because I like the idea of knowing that you're pitching. You can kind of, mm-hmm. you know, prioritize workouts. You can do different things to, to, to kind of make it ready. And then when it's your, it's your day, it's, it's, hey, I'm going as long as I can. And the way you pitch in that situation, you know, with me, I had four pitches, and, you know, you try and go six, seven, eight, nine innings. Um, I think that was, that was like, that was a lot more fun to me in terms of, you know, competing. Um, but obviously having a bad outing, you have to wait for four or five days to, to pitch again, which was kind of like mentally tough um, because you want to get back out there and prove like, Hey, that was just a, that, that didn't, that wasn't me, you know? And um, as a reliever, you get the opportunity to do that where you have a bad outing, like you could be back one or two days later, even the next day and, and get back out there and, and kind of get back on track. But I think the one thing that um, relieving was, was a lot more fun for me is that sometimes as a starter, it can be kind of boring for those other days where it's just like you're watching a lot of baseball as much as you like baseball. It's like, man, I, I want to be out there playing. Right. And when you go as a reliever, you kind of you go show up each day and you're like, I pitch. And when that phone calls down in the bullpen, especially in the big leagues, man, uh, like there's nothing that gets your adrenaline going more than the, than when they call your name. So I I really like that part about it because as a starter you got to kind of pump yourself up all day. Yeah, and and I I totally understand that, and I, I think that either way, I I could get on board either way. But I I, mm-hmm. I definitely see where you're coming from there. Now you were on that 2012 team, and they weren't expected to be there, and even after they got there, they were kind of doubted every year after that, despite the success of the ball club, what's the mentality in a clubhouse uh, of a team that people don't believe in, that people don't think can be there, and yet you are, and no matter what you do, they're still saying, uh, the, the, the other shoe's going to drop. What's that mentality in that clubhouse? Uh, I think everyone is, you know, you want to prove people wrong. Um, and I think at that time, in, in 2012, our run differential was, was not great. I think they, mm-hmm. that's what they kept talking about. We kept winning one run, one run games. We kept running, winning extra inning games. And then, you know, the run differential was like, it's just not sustainable. Um, and then obviously we, you know, we, we proved them wrong. Um, I think playing in that division, just really, really tough. I mean, you're going to give up some, some games aren't going to go well and, and you're going to give up a ton of runs. And then obviously we get to the bullpen and, in, in uh, you know, that year, seventh, eighth inning, if you have the lead, you're, you're winning that game. And I think confidence wise, you know, that, that was, that was huge. I mean, obviously the whole clubhouse knew, you know, we're, you show up to the field and you're expecting to win. And I think that that's kind of what changed is, you know, before I'm not sure that that was the case. Obviously you expect to win all the time, but it, you know, it doesn't really come out to be. Um, but when it's actually happening, you show up to the field and it's like, well, you know, we're going to win this game. I don't care who's playing. Um, so that's kind of a good mentality. I think that's kind of what's happening now. Um, and you mentioned that run differential, and the run differential kind of flipped on its head 
when Manny Machado got called, got called up in August of that year. Uh, the defense it was one of the worst in baseball. He moves over to third base. Reynolds gets moved over to first, and the defense becomes one of the best defenses down the stretch. You make that, that hard August and September run to get into the playoffs. How much of that run really fell on Manny's shoulders, and what does it feel like for a rookie to be put in that situation? Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously he's he's one of the the best to to do it over there, and um, to be able to have uh, a, an infield just as a whole, he had that whole left side where you know the ball's getting hit over there, they're making a play, and mm-hmm. um, just not not just routine plays, but all the tough plays, and obviously he had that one where he uh, you know he faked the throw and you know threw it back to third, and and you know just as a rookie to be able to have that you know. IQ baseball IQ to kind of do that and, and do it in big situations. Um, it's it just, you know, a big boost for the team. And, and obviously pitchers, when they're pitching the contact, you know, it's nice to know when you, when you're throwing strikes and you don't have to strike everyone out um, to be able to make a good pitch, and especially with a guy sinker ball or Jim Johnson, you know, closing the game to be able to have that defense behind them. It, it was a huge boost for the whole pitching staff. Now, Gunnar Henderson, He's called up to basically do the same thing that Manny did. Uh, this stretch run hasn't gone as well as it did when, when Manny came up. But what have you seen from Gunnar Henderson, and what kind of player do you think he's going to be? Because the player is right now is already pretty damn impressive. Yeah, I, I think especially as rookies, when, when they come up and, and show you know, no signs of it being too big for them, I think that that's always huge. And um, you know, I think one of the first, I, mean, I think he hit a homer his first game. Mm-hmm. Um, his defense has been pretty good. I think he had one game where you know the the defense kind of wasn't there for him, um, and then he came back, bounced back. You know, that's just what you want to see. You want to see a young guy be be able to not you know not get down, not get too low, not get too high, and you know just uh, even last night you know he hit a homer uh, late in the game, just giving the team and you know a little boost going into the next day. Um, I think these young guys that they're uh, that they have you know, coming up now, but each one of them, you know, they get big hits. They play good defense. Um, it's just, even if things don't go the way they need to down the stretch here um, to make the playoffs, I think everyone should be excited about, you know, everyone that they, that's been called up so far and, and the future that they have. Yeah. I mean, when, when you think about next, uh, next year, having Gunner and Adley Rutschman in the middle of the order, it's something to really get excited about here in Baltimore, especially with Rutschman and how great he is both sides of the ball. When you have a catcher that's as good defensively and as good at calling a game as Adley Rutschman, what does that mean for a pitcher? You just have a good, uh, a good amount of trust. Um, there's a lot of times where, you know, unfortunately, there's there's some more offensive um you know, catchers where you play through the, through the minors um, and you play with a whole bunch of different guys. You play with some good guys and, and, you know, some guys that you really like pitching to. And I think it's in terms of being on the same page and especially him being with a lot of the younger guys that have come up, um, you know, he, he's, he knows how they pitch. And I think be having a catcher that understands, you know, the rhythm of the game and, and being able to, to have the trust that, Hey, when, when he puts down something, obviously it's a suggestion, but, you know, you, you kind of more trust that suggestion. And, and when you're on the same page, you don't have to shake off too much. That's a huge deal uh, in terms of rhythm and kind of the flow of the game. And um, then obviously having the trust that he's going to throw guys out too. Um, it's just, that's a, that's a huge deal. And then to see that same guy who's so good defensively go out there and, and you know, knock the ball around park too um, is always a good boost for the, for the whole clubhouse, the whole pitching staff. 
Yeah, and and that's certainly been evident since he came up here. The pitching staff has been night and day uh, from last year. Is that a, a lot of that on Rutschman, or is a lot of that also on Chris Holt and that analytics department? Yeah, I think they've done a good job with the with the newer pitchers, and you know, I think we've we've all seen as as, as, as with different players that you get a new um, you know new team just kind of a fresh start, and you have a lot of these guys who are just taking advantage of that. Um, I think sometimes when you're with a, one team um, and it doesn't work out, you know, sometimes the, it, it just doesn't go well and, and you, you can't really get out of it. And then you mm-hmm. get to a new team and they kind of have fresh eyes on you. Um, there's, there's not really the – they don't have all of the backstory that the last couple of years have kind of you know, accumulated to. So when you see that, they, they kind of treat you as, hey, this is, this is what we're going to do. We like your stuff. And I think a lot of guys have just taken off with that. Um, but I, I think, obviously, it's a, it's a combination of everything. You, you see they have fresh eyes. They know what to do with certain pitches. They have a couple recommendations, maybe, and, and all of a sudden, you, you, you roll with it. And so I, I think having a, a catcher like that and then, obviously, the, the analytics side of everything that they've um, worked with, I think that it's all helped. Now, Steve, I, um, I have been outwardly critical of Brandon Hyde the last six or seven weeks. Um, though admittedly, I've probably been a bit off base as it's easy to be an armchair quarterback. Um, I just have had an issue with some of the lineup decisions and some of the ways that he's removed starters when I felt like they could have gone another inning. What do you think of the job Brandon Hyde has done? And do you believe him to be the right man to lead this team to its first World Series championship in over 40 years? I think he's done well. I think... Um... You know, obviously, everyone can you can pick and, and choose, and, and you know if something doesn't work out, you can say, "Hey, we should have done that," or "Hey, we should have done this." Uh, right. You know, it's it's a tough job, <laughs> and uh, I think for for his for the last couple of years that he's had to go through, and where nothing's been on the line, really. I mean, um, you know that that's that's always a struggle, and then to go into this season where okay, now everything's kind of a little bit more intense. Everything's kind of more on the line each game, um, especially down the stretch here. Um, and it's tough. And I think more the, the, the hitters I think have been in a little bit of a, over the course, I think over the last month, they just, they haven't had a lot of those big innings. They haven't had a lot right. of those big hits. Um, and I think that that's kind of, you know, more stuff shows when that's the case, when, when one side of the ball is kind of struggling, um, you know, there's only so much you can do. And then a lineup here or there, uh, it, sometimes I look at it and I'm like, man, I really switched things up. Um, so I'm not sure. I wasn't really the analytical side of things. I'm not sure how much is, you know, recommended to him or if it's saying, if it's more his kind of leeway to kind of say, hey, I have this ability to kind of put this guy here. And that that's kind of a little bit something that's, you know, that may have, that happened a little bit after me, I think, where they got into more yeah. of those analytics. So I, I'm not as, I'm not sure. I know in the minors there was, there was calls down and said, "Hey, we want this guy hitting here, but uh, this guy pitching in this game." But that's just a different that's a different animal there. Yeah, no, I I, I get that. It's it, it, it's hard to say, and you feel like Brent Brent was a guy that was handpicked by Mike Elias, and you feel like they that they're probably on the same page. But then you have to wonder how much leeway does he get with being able to put out the lineup and the pitching staff that he and uses pitchers and hitters the way that he wants to. So it's it, the the criticism may be unfair because it may not just be him making that call in a given moment. Um, speaking of Mike Elias, he has stated that he plans to spend money this offseason and that it's, quote, lift off from here. What does that mean to you, uh, and what moves do you anticipate with that in mind? 
Yeah, I've been obviously trying to think. I heard him say that, and you're, you're thinking of okay, who 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 do they go after? Um, mm-hmm. Who's the type of guy that they're they're looking at? And um, I, I think it's tough because you don't want to block a lot of your guys that you have coming up here. And there's a lot of young guys. You know, each I follow a lot of the the minor league accounts, and and um, you know each each day like someone's some, someone's pitching really well, someone's hitting homers, and um, they're doing really well down there. So it's like, okay, well, if you have some bigger guys, you don't want to block them. But at the same time, you need some stability, mm-hmm. and um, you have a lot of guys pitching well. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if they are looking at maybe going after a few starters just to get a little bit more stability. Um, that way they're not so reliant on all of the young guys, even though they have done well. Uh, I think that might be the case. I'm not sure who's out there as a free agent um, that they could go after. But, you know, maybe another lineup – uh, a guy in the lineup, I'm, but it's just you look at the you look at who you want in the infield and the out, outfield. It's like okay, well, there's a lot of guys we like there. Uh, they might not all pre- perform all the time, but they've had their moments, and we like that they're there. So it, it's tough. I'm I'm not sure who they who they want to go after, but I'm, if he's saying that, obviously they have a good idea, and they probably have a nice board of people that they're they're going to go after. Steve Johnson, you are the general manager of the Orioles. You can bring in one player of your choosing. Who are you bringing into this team to help them get into the playoffs next year? Oh man, um, you know I'm I'm thinking you know someone like I'm not sure what what if Verlander is a free agent, but I think that that's a guy that that could be so valuable in terms of all the young pitchers um, and to possibly kind of take that next step, especially as well as he's still pitching. Um, but there's so much value in terms of young guys just learning from a guy that's done it for so long. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that pitching staff is going to be more on the younger side. And if they bring in someone like that and they could kind of, you know, just learn, watch him pitch on a regular basis, see how he goes about his business, talk to him. Um, I feel like that could be a, like a huge ass- asset for, uh, them going forward and, and obviously if he's still pitching the way he is it, it, you know it, it would be a good a good thing for everybody yeah five no hit innings last night to get pick up his 17th win that's uh at 38 years old that's that's pretty damn impressive i'll admit that uh stan charles wanted me to ask you a question he wanted to know if minor league baseball had been unionized when you were pitching if you would still be pitching today um i i, I don't i don't think so um, I think more my uh, my skill set started to kind of drop, and and health wise, I wasn't where I needed to be. But I do think it was important for you know. I always wondered why the union didn't have the uh, the minor leaguers at least attached somewhere um, where they kind of fought for for different things. I felt like that was kind of always something I was confused by. Um, so I'm kind of glad that they did that. I don't know how it's going to work out because obviously, anytime you unionize, it can kind of go. It can take a different route um, in terms of what the MLB could do to, you know, um, with with certain things, certain uh, certain rules, and they could kind of cut more teams out. Um, but I just feel like there's certain things that happen in the minors um, that just are a little unfair and aren't aren't really um, talked about too much. And I think sometimes you have to play and kind of experience it before mm-hmm. um, before you kind of you can talk about it. But I just always was confused. I mean, all of those guys in, in the union, um, once you get up there, they've all been through it. And uh, to kind of have some things still happen, it's just like, man, I, I don't understand why. Just even something as simple as off days. 
I mean, they go sometimes 26, 27 games without an off day um, down in the minors when you would never ask somebody to do that in the big leagues. Um, and I think they're just more off days would be huge because the travel's not as great. You're, you're going, going into the, um, on bus rides, you know, 12, 12 hour bus rides and stuff. And not that, you know, Hey, it's part of it, but at the same time, I feel like, Hey, just add a couple more off days so that those guys can, you know, not get into the city, you know, at eight in the morning uh, after a 12 hour bus ride and have to have to play that night. I mean, it's just, um, sometimes a little tough, but I, I think that that's it's overall good thing, but it, that wouldn't help me out too much. Yeah, it can't. Uh, it it can't feel good to be on a bus for twelve hours and then have to go play in a baseball game right after that for sure. Um, Steve, a couple more uh, questions here for you. Who is the AL MVP? I got into this big Twitter debate yesterday, uh, saying that it should be Aaron Judge in a landslide, and I got so many arguments that Shohei Otani should win the MVP this year and every year that he does what he's done the last two years. For you, is it Judge or is it Otani? Uh, and I, I, this is tough because you know Judge is having a season that that is just it's almost historic. I mean, mm. you know, especially if he's able to get past um, you know sixty one. So I think that would be the AL you know leader of all time for for homers um, in a season. So it's like. That's that's something that deserves, and the team is basically has been relying on him the whole season. Now, I don't like the whole winning thing, being MVP. I know that that you know value is different wherever it is. I think mm-hmm. the, the it ends up MVP's kind of been best player. Right. Um, I think that that's kind of where it should be. But you know, that's the talk of like maybe there should be two, <laughs> maybe there should be player of the player of the year or or uh, and MVP. You know, someone right. that is value to their team to make them win. And, you know, best player. And I feel like Otani would be player of the year and, you know, Judge would be MVP. Um, And it's tough because it's like Judge doesn't have the opportunity to pitch. Um, And Otani will always have that. Like, even if he has a three or four ERA, it's like, okay, well, he, you know, leading in strikeouts or whatever it is, and he's hitting. So, obviously what Otani's doing is unbelievable, but also, you know, you can't, I don't know, you can't, you can't, knock judge for not being able to do that and also he's carried his team when they were struggling through that whole time and they stayed in first place and um obviously he's just having an awesome season so i mean i would go judge just because i don't know can you can you give otani every year for the rest you know for the rest of his career if he keeps doing what he's doing but obviously if you know the other teams just you know the other players don't have that option so it's just a tough question i it's i we haven't obviously experienced that before so it's really you know, who knows who's right. Well, yeah, and, and and a lot of people that I ask bring up the same thing, that maybe they should be an MVP and a player of the year, and you look at the NFL, you have your NFL MVP, you have your offensive player of the year, and you have your defensive player of the year, So I and then your rookie of the year. So I, uh, I, I agree with you that there should be two awards. For me, Judge is the MVP because he's about to break a 61-year-old record uh, for home runs in the American League, and he has a shot, an outside shot at the Triple Crown, that's to me. That's your MVP, despite the fact that Otani's been sensational. He's doing something we haven't seen for a hundred years. Steve, thank you for taking some time for us. We really appreciate it. You are you're the owner of Optimal Baseball Performance. Is that the location that I always see up there in Bel Air near the, near the Athletic Club? Yep, that's the one. Very cool. Very cool. How long how long you been doing that, and what do you guys got going on in there? If you want to plug that a little bit. Yeah, so we uh, we've been there. We've been at the the Bel Air place since uh, I think. What was it, January of 
December of 2020. Um, so it was, it's, it's been going for a little bit now and, uh, we're actually in our, in the middle of our fall program. Um, just training some, training some young guys, getting them on the right path. Um, a little bit of the biomechanics and, and all that stuff to, to get them on the right track and a little bit more things that I wish I would have had just a, a little bit more of at the end of my career, just at the beginning of my career. But, uh, we're getting these guys on the right track and, uh, pitching and hitting and, um, hopefully just allow these guys to, to have more fun playing because they're hopefully more successful. Very cool stuff. Always nice to know that uh, former athletes that are from the area are helping with the kids in the community. So we appreciate everything you're doing, Steve. Thanks for taking some time for us. You have a great weekend, all right? Yep, thanks. You too. All right, take care. That was former Oriole and former St. Paul. Well, he's not former. He is a St. Paul alum. Steve Johnson, gracious enough to join us here on a Saturday morning on the batter and give us some insight as to what it's like to be a rookie on a playoff contender that wasn't expected to be there. So special thanks to Steve Johnson. I want to remind you that today's program and every uh, every uh, bat around is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. You can come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. It is the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast where you can take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. We got to catch a break uh, when we come back to payoff pitch around the league and hopefully we have time to get into some Orioles and baseball banter. That next on the Batter Round. See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Academy, October 13th through 16th in Cecil County. Don't miss the breathtaking excitement of the dynamic cross-country competition or the elegance of dressage and precision of show jumping. There's also great shopping and activities including a fresh food fest, corgi race, and a beer, wine, and spirits showcase. So come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th. Learn more and buy tickets at maryland5star.us. The Maryland Lottery presents Ravens' Greatest Plays. 2021, the game on the line. With three seconds left, the Ravens connect on an impossibly long 66-yard field goal to beat Detroit, the longest field goal in history. Another great Ravens play belongs to Touchdown Joe from Silver Spring. Joe scratched a Ravens scratch-off and won a top prize of $100,000. You could be next. Play Ravens scratch-offs to win instant cash or enter to win great second-chance prizes. Please play responsibly. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. Fendel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone from novices to grill masters to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. Constructed out of thick ceramic, the Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at Ginsu. Ginsugrills.com. That's Ginsugrills.com. All right, welcome back in to the batter on wow, if the, the commercial break was that loud, I apologize to our listeners. Looks about right. Looks about right. All levels were all right. All right, welcome back to the bat around. Uh, it's time for the payoff pitch around the league, which is brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Just check out buyatoyota.com for deals now on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson provided a glimpse of the future, each homering last night, but the Blue Jays used three homers, including two by Matt Chapman, to score all six of their runs and dim the light on the Orioles' faint playoff chances, taking down the Birds 6-3. to Nathaniel Lowe hit a two-run homer and a four-run third, and Martin Perez worked into the sixth to pick up his 12th win as the Rangers edged out Tampa Bay 4-3. Luis Renifo homered twice and drove in four. Mike Trout hit his 36th home run, 36th home run in just his 103rd game. As the Angels tripped up the Mariners 8-7, Julio Rodriguez homered in the loss, and Carlos Santana added two of his own in the defeat. Willie Adamas homered, doubled, and drove in four, but it was Ryan McKenna lookalike Garrett Mitchell who provided the heroics with an RBI single in the bottom of the ninth to break a 6-6 tie as the Brewers walked off Clay Holmes and the Yankees 7-6. Tristan McKenzie struck out eight over seven solid innings, and the Guardians came back from a 3-0 deficit to win on an eighth-inning wild pitch, scoring pinch runner Ernie Clement as Cleveland broke the hearts of the Twins 4-3. Javi Baez went 3-3 three for three to back seven shutout innings from Matt Manning as the Tigers dealt a blow to the White Sox playoff hopes 3-2. Michael Waka allowed one run over seven innings, and the Red Sox used four walks and an RBI single by J.D. Martinez to score two runs in the bottom of the eighth and snatch a victory from the Royals 2-1. 
Marcus Stroman tossed seven innings of one-run ball, and Zach McKinstry's home run in the fifth proved to be the difference in a 2-1 Cubs victory over the Rockies. C.J. Abrams had a two-run triple, and Joey Menezes hit an inside-the-park home run to lift the Nationals over the Marlins 5-4. Daniel Vogelbach homered, and Taiwan Walker pitched into the eighth, allowing two earned runs as the Mets stayed in the front of the Braves in the NL East, taking down the Pirates 4-3. Ronald Acuna hit a two-run homer in the bottom of the eighth that saw the Braves turn a 2-1 deficit into a 3-2 lead. Atlanta would add on, would add on four more runs to keep pace in the NL East with a 7-2 defeat of the Phillies. Kyle Schwarber, Schwarber hit his 39th home run in the loss. Jordan Alvarez hit three home runs, all traveling over 430 feet to pace the Astros' offense in a 5-0 shutout of the A's. Justin Verlander struck out nine over five innings of no-hit ball to pick up his 17th victory of the season and clinch the Astros' sixth straight playoff appearance. Albert Pujols drew closer to elite company with a two-run homer in the sixth, the 698th of his career, and a Cardinals 6-5 victory over the Reds. Playing in this final season, Pujols now, just, now sits just two home runs away from joining Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, and Babe Ruth as the only players in the 700-home run club. Brandon Drury homered, tw homered twice, and Juan Soto drove in three as the angry Padres walloped Arizona 12-3. Blake Snell allowed one run and struck out seven over seven innings to pick up the win. He has been really good the second half. And finally, Dustin May struck out four over five hitless frames as his Dodgers blanked the Giants four to nothing. Zach, what do we got on tap today? We start off with game one of a doubleheader, a huge doubleheader between Cleveland and the Minnesota Twins. That's a, a really good battle brewing in the uh, AL Central between the Guardians, the Twins, and the White Sox. They're going to have a doubleheader today. Louis Varlin for the Twins, Shane Bieber, game one. That's at 110 at Progressive Field. The Reds and the Cardinals, Mike Miner, the veteran lefty against Dakota Hudson, the righty, 115 at Bush Stadium. Rockies, they'll throw Jose Arena against Hayden Wesneski for the Cubs, 220 at Wrigley Field. You're your Baltimore Orioles will start Kyle Bradish. He's been very good since coming back from the injury against Jose Barrios, a former twin. Blue Jays and Orioles 307 at the Rogers Center. Trevor Rogers, he'll start for the Marlins. 405 at Nationals Park. Eric Fetty will take the hill for the Nationals. He's had an okay year, but better than I think people could have expected. Brady Singer, the young right-handed pitcher against the veteran, the old man Rich Hill, Royals and Red Sox 410 at Fenway Park. John Gray, the big-ticket right-hander for the Rangers against Sean Armstrong and the Rays 610 at Tropicana Field, Rangers and Rays. White Sox and Tigers, Johnny Cueto having his resurgence against Eduardo Rodriguez, the former Red Sox 610. Eduardo. Eduardo 610 at Comerica Park. Game two of that doubleheader, Twins and Guardians, again, it's a big one. Josh Winder versus Connor Pilkington, 7-10 at Progressive Field. One of the best names in baseball, Connor Pilkington. Uh, athletics and Astros, Cole Irvin, the lefty, against Jose Urquidy. Maybe a future Orioles, won 13 games this year. 7-10, Minute Maid Park, the A's and the Strohs. Pirates still throw Bryce Wilson against the Mets and Chris Bassett, 7-10, City Field. Yankees and Brewers, Jamison Tyon. He's won 13 games for them this year against Brandon Woodruff, who's arguably the ace for the Brewers 7-10 in Milwaukee. Reds, they'll throw the rookie Hunter Green against Jose Quintana and the Cardinals 7-15 Bush Stadium. Phillies, they'll throw Aaron Nola. Jake Odorizzi will go for the Braves 7-20 at Truist Park in Atlanta. Padres, Joe Musgrove's going to go for them. He's actually been very good at a bad start to the year, but he's a 3-2 ERA now, ERA now against Zach Gallen and the D-backs 8-10 in Arizona. Dodgers and Giants, really good classic matchup there, although the Dodgers have won 30 more games than them. 9-05 at Oracle Park, 
Dodgers will throw Julio Arias against to be determined for the Giants. Finally, last game of the night, George Kirby, the rookie. He's had a really good rookie year. 907 at Angel Stadium, the Mariners and the Angels. Shohei Otani will take them out and play probably DH for the Angels tonight. Otani's 12 and 8 with a 255 ERA. Really good pitching matchup there. And and a matchup that I think I might watch if I get the chance. So, good games on tap today, but that that Guardians Twins doubleheader definitely one I'll be paying attention to. Yeah, that Guardians Twins doubleheader, you look at that if the Twins want to have any shot at making the playoffs, they, they gotta win both. They gotta they gotta win both. And Cleveland, if they win both, uh, they, they'll gain yeah. they'll gain a half game on the White Sox regardless. Yes. And the Twins would be seven out. Man, uh, I mean the White Sox though they're climbing. Like it, it's it's been Cleveland for well, a while. They they lost last night, mm-hmm. but they have been playing a lot better. Yes. Um. Basically, since Larusa left the uh, the dugout. <laughs> we we don't want to say that's the definitive reason, but it, it, I mean it, it, prob- it. it probably is. Yeah, culture- and we, we we said it back then that this is uh, horrible. It was a horrible. Uh, it, it wasn't. It, I mean, like Tony Russo was a great manager, but the mm-hmm. games changed since he last managed. Right. He he was seventy six when he got hired, and, right. he, and he's, he's supposed to manage a bunch of early twenties guys. I mean, they, and, they, and they, they hired him for what he was thirty years ago. Yeah, not for what he is now. It, it, it was it was. Um, and forgive me, his name escapes me. The owner. Yeah, uh, of the um, is his name Artie? Am I wrong? And <laughs> no, I, I may be off on Ar- that. Arby's. No, yeah, it's, um, Ar- it's Arby's. Yeah, uh, I, I I can't. I think it begins with an R. Okay, but um, it it was it, it was a uh, uh, it was something to, I could to, Google to make amends for firing him to ever to begin with. But um, yeah, I mean Cleveland, they're they're four games up on the White Sox. They're five games up on the Twins, and they can really kind of cement their place in the playoffs. Jerry Reinsdorf. Jerry Reinsdorf. That's should have known that Reinsdorf. Um. But yeah, no. The, the, I want to do. I, I want to do. I want to talk a little bit about Kyle Bradish. Okay. I wasn't really sure what direction to take um, Orioles banter in today. You know, Jordan Westbrook's been tearing cover off the ball in September. He was five for five last night. Yes, sir. I don't think he gets a call this year, but he's definitely no. knocking on the door. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez with his five scoreless innings and the 72, 74 pitches that he threw last night. I think he's definitely going to be here okay. this year. Um, but Kyle Bradish, man, you mentioned how good he's been. Uh, since he came off the IL, for the most and, part, it, 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 he hasn't been prime no, Max Scherzer, but bro, he's been good. Nine starts since coming off the um, the IL. Mm-hmm. Nine starts, fifteen two thirds innings pitched, only forty hits allowed. Mm-hmm. ERA of two eighty four. Okay, in those nine starts, three of his last four starts, he's gone seven plus innings and allowed just two hits or less. Yeah, three ninety fielding independent pitching. Okay, this is a guy that. I mean, we saw him in the beginning of the year, and he, his first start, he has he he gives a quality start. Yep. Then he gets kind of shellacked in the next start, and that was a game where he was he was um, he went three scoreless, and then the Orioles scored six runs in the third inning. Yeah. And he had to sit for a while, and then he came up and he gave up four runs in that fourth, four or five runs in that fourth inning, and then he and then in his next start against St. Louis, seven innings of two run ball. Yeah. And you're like, okay, okay. Yeah. And then fell off a cliff. He was awful. Goes on the IL with the shoulder inflammation. Comes off. And he looks like the guy that Matt Blood put in the same realm yep. as Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. No doubt. And moving in. And if he goes out tonight against the Blue Jays, this afternoon at 3.07 against yeah. the Blue Jays, and he gives them another quality start, 
how can you not be excited about this guy being a number three or four in your rotation? But the way yeah. he's pitching since coming off the IL, you can make a case he's a number one. Oh, easily, yeah. And, I, and, and this is a guy who you can legitimately—he looks like a guy you can slot right in after Grayson Rodriguez yeah. next year, and be great. I mean, I, I think this is one of those obvious situations where you get a guy who comes out as a rookie and the league adjusts to him very quick. And mm-hmm. I think we saw that. I mean, you saw the Cardinals start that we, we've talked about a lot because it was so good. He asserted his dominance there. But I think the league kind of caught up. And maybe he was being a little predictable in in his spots. I don't know what it was. I'm not sure. But for whatever reason, his stuff took a leap to me mm-hmm. when he came back from the IL, especially the slider. It's been so good. Um, all of his breaking stuff really has been has been very good since coming back. And, and the fastball looks better, and he's hitting his spots more, and he's been just so much more consistent. And I also thought his mechanics looked a little weird before the injury. He, he was staying on his backside a little bit, not getting enough you know, through the, the, the front of the hip and, and over his front side enough. So I thought the mechanics looked a little odd, and I... I think there were some clear issues with the league adjusting to him and, and, and getting used to what he throws. So I don't think this is entirely surprising because we know he's a talent. The stuff is mm-hmm. really good, and he was able to put up really good numbers in the minors. That's why they went and got him. Uh, it, it's a, I, I think this is definitely up to where the peak of what he can be. This is this is really good, and he's going to keep developing, and if the stuff stays where it is, he's going to be a very good pitcher. He's going to definitely be a 3 or 4 for them. You look at... Uh he was part of that four-player trade for Dylan Bundy. Correct, yeah. You turned you turned Dylan Bundy into Zach Bradish. Yeah. Zach Bradish. Kyle Bradish. And uh, Zach Peek. And, and, and Zach a few Peek. other guys, yeah. Yeah, and, and Isaac Matson and... Um, Kyle Brnovich. Kyle Brnovich, yeah. yeah. Um, Zach Peek we think could be something, yeah. right? But even if Bradish is the only one to come out of it, that's, well, that's a win. It's, it's already a win. I'll, it, I'll tell you what. It's already a win. I'll t- Dil- boy, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Uh, Dylan Bundy... He pitched okay for the Angels, but it certainly I, I don't think was worth to them what Kyle Bradish is worth to the Orioles right yeah, now. Uh, if the Angels could go back and keep Kyle Bradish, yeah. I'm sure that, I'm sure that they would, and that's why they had to draft 20 pitchers last year <laughs> in the draft, and that's why that they, was they, hilarious. They, they, I'm not gonna lie, they like, consistently missed the playoffs yeah. by having two of the best players in the universe yes. on their team because they don't have the pitching. Um, and Anthony Rendon is always hurt, and that that's a a big contract that. We spent a little too much on. We've got to get um, Buck Martinez on the line. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to call him late. So why don't you give him a sure. call? We'll continue this um, after take to rake, and when when we get to our final thoughts. Um, but for right now, we do got to get. We got to get um, Buck on the line. I want to remind you, today's show is brought to you by the Maryland Five Star Sea Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th to 16th in Cecil County. Also want to point out uh, that you can go and get the latest edition of Press Box at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. The latest edition of Press Box is available now with uh, on the cover. Bro Smoke and Profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also inside, we introduce you to football players in Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan as the season gets underway and everything you need to know for betting football this season. Pressbox is available for free again at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at pressboxonline.com. We're going to, a couple of things we have to do. We're going to, we're pushing sounding off. Uh, Zach's going to use it for his final thought instead. So it's not an official sounding off 
segment today. Um, Orioles banter wasn't really a thing, but we are going to talk a little bit about the rotation um, after our Take the Rake segment. But right now on the line, former Orioles broadcaster, former uh, Blue Jays and Brewers catcher, and now current broadcaster for the Toronto Blue Jays. He is Buck Martinez, and he's live on the Battleground. Buck, it's Paul, it's Zach. Good morning. Thanks for taking some time for us. Good morning. How are you doing today? We're doing well. We're doing well. My, my first question is, how are you doing? How's the health doing? Do you, um, you're back in the broadcast booth, so I'm sure things are going um, well over there for you. Yeah, they sure are. Um, you know what? My network's been tremendous with me, giving me days off and letting me rest and uh, build my strength back up gradually. So uh, it's really gone well. And, um, you know, all those people that I've heard from, all of the baseball fans and the baseball community, have reached out to me over the course of the summer. It's uh, it's really been uh, humbling for sure. And, uh, yeah, I feel pretty good right now. Buck, that is excellent to hear. We in Baltimore are really pulling for you here. Um, you're, you're one of us. You were one of our one of our broadcasters. Um, when Back when it wasn't easy to be a broadcaster for a, for a bad baseball team. So we're definitely pulling for you here in Baltimore. But we have to admit, Thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. Have to admit, though, Buck, we are not pulling for the Blue Jays here in Baltimore. Um, Toronto is making the Orioles' path to the playoffs very difficult. They've really turned it on recently. They swept Pittsburgh. Which yeah, is what... it's, uh, you know what? We... I'm sorry? Buck, do we still have Yeah, we, have. we knew these games are going to be important. Yeah. I'm here. Hello, you got me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You were saying that you knew that these games are going to be important. Hello? Yes, sir. Do we have you? Buck? Buck, if you can hear me, we're going to give yeah, you... Yeah, I'm here. You, you can hear me. Can you hear okay. me? Yes, sir. Let, let, let's try and start this over. Toronto, they've uh, they've turned things on recently. They swept Pittsburgh, which is what good teams are supposed to do against bad teams. And then they go, they sweep the doubleheader from the Orioles, take three of four, um, 12 and four in September, and firmly in that second wild card spot with seven teams, with 17 games to play. What has gotten you know into what, this? I'm having bad so I'm sitting here at Rogers, and I guess the, uh, the signal's not very good. I don't know if you can hear me or not. I can hear you. I'm guessing you can't hear us. So what we're going to do, Buck, is we're going to give you a call back here in just a minute, and we're going to see if we can't refresh this connection, okay? All right, Buck, we're, we're going to give you a call back here in just a minute. Having some tech, some technical difficulties there with Buck Martinez. Um, it seems like he, he said he's at Rogers Center. The Orioles have that game at 3.07, so they all get to the ballpark. Right around 11 o'clock, um, 10 or 11 o'clock for these uh, mid-afternoon games. So uh, with all the noise going on in the background and Roger Center has been around for quite a while. It's an older stadium. I'm sure that the service isn't as pristine as he would like it to be. Hopefully we can get a good connection with him. And uh, But while we're doing that... Uh, none of these, all these reads, reads are too long. I think we have Buck back on the line right now. We'll try and restart this uh, this conversation, talking about how how good the Blue Jays have been. This, this is a team that was they were kind of floundering in the middle of the season. They were never below five hundred, but they were they they were playing not as well as anticipated. They've been a World Series favorite for a lot of people, but in September they're twelve and four, firmly in that second wild card spot. Seventeen games to play. They've won four of the last five against the Orioles. 
Uh, Buck, I believe we have you back on the line now. What has gotten into the Blue Jays over the last month or so that has them playing where we thought they honestly should be all year? Yeah, they uh, every aspect of their game has come around. They're playing very, very good defense right now, and that gets overlooked oftentimes. When you have uh, guys like Bo Bichette and Vladdy in your lineup, uh, you overlook defense. But with Matt Chapman and Bichette, Espinal and Guerrero on the infield, their defense has really been good. And I think that's helped them stay in games. Their pitching has been pretty good lately. Their bullpen has been exceptional. And I think if you're going to win a championship, you have to have a, a bullpen first and foremost. And I think you can look at your Orioles ball club and point to their bullpen as being a big part of why they were able to turn things around this year. But that's been it. The overall aspect of the Blue Jays have been much better since the middle of August. And because of that, now they're in a pretty good spot. Now, in July, they started the, they started the month 2-9. and nine. They prompted the firing of manager Charlie Montoya. They were 46 and 42 at that point, and since then they're 36 and 21. We saw the Phillies uh, fire Joe Girardi, and then they got really hot after that. How much of that is the players saying our play has gotten our manager fired, and now we need to take it to another level? I think that has a lot to do with it, especially with younger players like the Blue Jays have. And the reality is uh, we just cost somebody their job. Mm-hmm. and uh, it gets them refocused a little bit. And, uh, you know, the challenge this year, obviously, you mentioned the preseason uh, expectations were very high for this ball club. But, again, they're a younger team, uh, very much like the Orioles. Uh, they're like the Orioles uh, are now. They were like that two years ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's uh, it's a very young team. And, you know, it, I think they suffer peaks and valleys more than a veteran team. I, I think it really affects their play. They get into hot streaks and cold streaks a little bit more than you need to as a professional, and I think that's what's caused the uh, inconsistency. But right now, I think they're confident. I think they're playing with a lot of confidence, and um, you know the results prove it. Now, is John Schneider the leader in the clubhouse to keep the job next season, or is there going to be an active search for the next long-term solution to take the, the reign of the Blue Jays in the dugout? I would be very surprised if he's not the manager going forward because of the job he's done. He's done a heck of a job with the bullpen, and he's made some uh, uncharacteristic moves in this day and age. He's been very proactive and moving people in and out of the rotation in the bullpen. So I think he's done a great job. And, you know, he's managed a lot of these kids in the minor leagues. So they know who he is. They know what he's about. And, uh, you know, he has a stern hand. He uh, dropped Bo down in the seventh spot, and that didn't go over very well with the shortstop, but he responded as exactly as you had hoped he would. And now he's one of the hottest hitters in the game. But I think John Snyder is the leader in the clubhouse as far as uh, who might be the manager in 2023. Um, so you were talking a little bit about the similarities between where the Blue Jays were two years ago and where the Orioles are now. Uh, we did see one Jays reporter say that the that the Orioles weren't for real, and then Ross Tripling said prior to the to last week's four game set that they knew they were the better team. I don't think there's any question that the, that the Blue Jays have the more talented roster. But how do the Blue Jays and the rest of the AL East view a team like the Baltimore Orioles? Are they now considering them to be a rival, or are they just thinking of them as a team that's kind of just playing over their head? And they're playing themselves into that rivalry position. There's no question. I don't think they're playing over their head. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody is, is having a, a crazy season or anybody's really gone out aside their expectations. You know, since May 21st, when they called up Redsman, the team has turned things around. And when you look at the catcher position, he's involved in every play. 
mm-hmm. and it's very important. And Adley's been a leader at Oregon State. He was a leader on Team USA, and he's quickly become a leader on this Orioles team. So I, I think it's for real. Gunnar Henderson looks like he's for real as well. And D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez, all of those guys, uh, they're like I said, they're where the Blue Jays were a couple years ago. And I, I think the teams, the players, they understand this Baltimore Orioles team is going to be around for a while. And you you mentioned Adley Rutschman and the importance of the catcher position, and you're a former catcher and a, and a, and a former manager. A lot of um, big league managers are catchers. What is it about being a catcher that makes uh, these players so inclined to be really great managers in the future? Catchers are involved in everything. Going back to spring training, they warm up pitchers during their bullpens. They are on the pitcher mound listening to pitching coaches talk about pitching. They're involved in every aspect of defensive practice. Uh, They, of course, talk hitting with their hitting coaches. So they understand everything about the game, probably more than any other position on the field, because they're involved in everything. And I I think that has a lot to do with it. Plus, Dusty Baker told me this a long time ago when I was getting ready to manage. He said, you know, I wish I was a catcher at some point because you're the only guy on the field that sees the whole game in front of you. That's a And that's point. very true. I think that's, uh, yeah, I mean, you see the whole game. You see how the game flows. Uh, if you're an infielder, you know, you've got half the field to one side or the other, and outfielders the same. But the only guy that sees the whole game the way the fans see the game is the catcher. So uh, I, I think that has a lot to do with why there have been so many catchers that have become good managers. I'll tell you, man, everybody growing up wants to be that star shortstop. But I think the kids should really focus on maybe catching as they're growing up because it gives them that opportunity to have a long career in the game if that's something they want. I think that that's a very interesting uh, thing to learn about that particular position. Uh, just a couple more minutes with you, Buck. I know that you're a busy, busy guy, and you have that afternoon game today. Toronto, loaded roster last season, left on the outside looking in for the playoffs. They seem destined for October this year, despite what I think we can both agree was underachieving around the midseason point. Are they a little a legitimate World Series contender? And if not, what would make them that um, moving forward? Yeah, I think they're a contending team for the World Series because of the um, three top pitchers they have mm-hmm. in Manoa, Gosman, and Barrios. And Barrios, I, I think his teams, Minnesota and the Blue Jays, have beaten the A's or the uh, Orioles nine straight times. He started against them. And he's hot right now. He's not had a great season. He's not had a typical season for him. But uh, when you have three starters going into the postseason that can give you quality starts and then a fourth like Ross Stripling, I think you're in pretty good shape. And I like their bullpen. I like where they are defensively right now. Chapman has really solidified the left side of the infield and complemented Bo very well. So, yeah, I think they're legit. I mean, anything happens in a short series, that's for sure. And now with the wild card series being three games, I think that – benefits teams to really have their talent uh, come out in the end. It's not a, a chancy game. You think back to uh, Washington uh, beating the Brewers uh, in that one game wild card and they went on to win the World Series. I think uh, those days are kind of over with the best two out of three wild card. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. One game, anything can happen. In, in a series, you kind of show to be that you are who you are. Uh, one, la- one last question for you, Buck, before we let you go. Last year, uh, Vladdy Jr. had an amazing season. He was a front runner for MVP, but he lost out to Shohei Otani, who is a superstar on both sides. Um, 
this year you're having something similar. You have Aaron Judge and Otani in there again. For me, Aaron Judge is the AL MVP. He's going to break a 61-year-old record in the AL. For you, who is the AL MVP this year? Yeah, I think it's Aaron Judge. I think he's been the most consistent player for the Yankees. And, uh, you know, discounting even the the home run chase, I think he has had the most dramatic impact on their team. Mm-hmm. You know, they've had a lot of injuries, losing Stanton, losing Rizzo, losing LeMahieu. Donaldson was out for a while, but Judge has been consistent. And I think that's what's important. I don't think the award is the most outstanding player, which Shohei Otani might be. Sure. I think it's the most valuable to his particular team, and I think that's Aaron Judge. Do you think that Aaron Judge is destined to leave New York? Do you think they figure out a way to keep him? I'm not sure. You know, he turned down a pretty good contract from him before, and now it looks like he might be the first guy that makes a $50 million a year contract. So it might be a shorter-term contract for the biggest annual average value of a contract. So I think I've got a gut feeling that he might end up staying in New York. Obviously, Big player, big stage, and uh, they're the biggest of all stages in baseball. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he stays there. Yeah, I, I think you and I can agree on that. Buck, thank you for taking some time for us on a busy weekend for you, for sure. We certainly appreciate it. Very glad to know you are in good and improving health. We look forward to talking you down the stretch, all right? Thank you very much. Uh, good luck to you and the Orioles. It should be a fun finish up to the season between these two teams. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Take care. So long. That was Buck Martinez, gracious enough to talk to us and work through the technical difficulties to stay on the line and get a really nice segment in for us. So we are very appreciative of that. And uh, more than anything else, just glad to know that his health is good and improving. When you get a, a, a cancer diagnosis, it's always scary. And he met it head on. He's already back in the booth. So uh, kudos to uh, Buck Martinez and wishing him all the best. Uh, if you want all the best, uh, then you need to check out the all-new Ginsu, Ginsu Kumado Grill. It's coming soon. It is a perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all kinds of food. Get the details and reserve yours today at GinsuGrills.com. And if you're heading to the Ravens game tomorrow, Mother's is throwing another tailgate party at Hammerjacks right next to the stadium on Russell Street. Come by starting at 9 a.m. or and before, during, and after every Ravens home game. It's free to get in, and there's also an all-inclusive option for $49 with premium brand open bar and great food. Tickets and details are at hammerjacks.com. And while you're there, don't forget to stop by the press box, Ginsu Grills tent for free samples and contests. When we come back, take to rake, final thoughts, and a little bit of Orioles banter to close things out. All that and more next on the Bat Around. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. 
come in for glory burgers, glory wings. There's glory for everyone at Glory Days Grill. Enjoy their award-winning burgers, ribs and wings, or try the fresh salads, hand-cut salmon, or the scrumptious sandwiches. Yum! Come in for the daily specials every weekday, like $7.99 burgers on Mondays and $6.99 nachos on Thursdays. Dine in and let us serve you or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and take it home. That's glorydaysgrill.com for a location near you. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Have you been to Guilford Hall Brewery? Located in Baltimore's Station North neighborhood, Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcrafted microbrews and amazing Bavarian-style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or bring your dog for yappy hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. Go to guilfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. We'll see you at Guilford Hall Brewery. The Maryland Lottery presents Raven's Greatest Plays. It was called the Mile High Miracle, a 70-yard touchdown pass against Denver with 30 seconds left to send the game into overtime. The Ravens eventually won, propelling them to the championship. Another great Ravens play belongs to Diane from Annapolis. Diane played Raven scratch-offs and won season tickets for 20 years. You could be next. Play Raven scratch-offs with instant prizes up to $100,000. And please play responsibly. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Bo Smolka profiles Ravens tight end Mark Andrews' path to NFL stardom, from his late decision to play the sport full-time through having to overcome type 1 diabetes and more. Also, inside, we introduce you to football players at Maryland, Navy, Towson, and Morgan State, and we give you everything you need to know for betting football this season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily cover of demos, ravens, and terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. See Olympic athletes in action as the nation's best horses and riders compete in one of the world's premier equestrian events at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Academy, October 13th or 16th in Cecil County. Don't miss the breathtaking excitement of the dynamic cross-country competition or the elegance of dressage and precision of show jumping. There's also great shopping and activities, including a fresh food fest, corgi race, and a beer, wine, and spirits showcase. So come enjoy a beautiful fall day at the Mars Maryland Five Star at Fair Hill, presented by Brown Advisory, October 13th through 16th. Learn more and buy tickets at maryland5star.us.
Welcome back to the Batter Round. Today's show has been brought to you by the Guilford Hall Brewery. It is located in Baltimore Station North neighborhood. Uh, the Guilford Hall Brewery breaks the craft brew mold with their great handcraft and micro brews and amazing Bavarian style food selections. Join Guilford Hall seven days a week for Orioles, Ravens, and all of your favorite college games. Make plans now to watch the big games, play trivia, or Bring your dog, Bruce Mann, uh, for Yappy Hour. They even have free valet service on Friday and Saturday nights. So go to guildfordhall.com for a complete schedule of events, beer listings, and food and drink specials. That's Guilford Hall Brewery, 1611 Guilford Avenue in Station North. Take the rake. Neither one of our guys tore it up. But that's because the Orioles offense hasn't torn it up in about three weeks. Zach, you took Tony Taters, Anthony Santander. He went three for 20, three, walk, three singles, one walk, zero RBIs. Sounds about right. I took Adley Rutschman. Three for 17. A home run, a double, two walks, two RBIs. Mm-hmm. You can either let me have the win because he was more productive, or we can use today's game. As the tiebreaker, yeah, I mean, even because though, Rutschman's not gonna—he's not gonna catch tomorrow. He might not play. I, w- I would argue he was slightly more productive, but he also the the slash lines inflated because of six less at bats too. So I will say I don't know. I we could do a playoff if you're good with that. I think that's. I mean, I wouldn't really say either of them raked. Neither one of them raked. Right. So a playoff, you know, a playoff game today that like a like a golf playoff is what six, I mean. six less at bats, but two more walks and two more extra base hits. Um, but. Let's do it. We'll do a playoff today. Okay, we'll do we'll, a playoff. We'll, t- we'll use today as a playoff. Unless Rutschman's not catch, I bet he's not catching. I bet he's not playing today. Well, then we we'll use tomorrow because it's a day game after a night game. Then, then we'll use tomorrow. We, we, yeah, we'll, we'll, if if one of them is not in the lineup today, then we will use tomorrow Perfect. tomorrow's game. I'm hoping it's today. I, I, I honestly, if the Orioles want any chance, they need Rutschman playing today every and tomorrow. Day. He needs every to play every day, day yeah. down the stretch, and then you let him rest for four months in the yeah. off season. Okay, but. Yeah, we'll we'll use today as a playoff, um, and we'll figure it out for next on on next week's show. I did win last week though, so I get to pick first this week, and I'm gonna take Gunnar Henderson. <laughs> of course, I, I'm so nervous to take him because I feel like it, I feel like I've been like the the jinx for these guys. As soon as I take him, all of a sudden, um. The, the other shoe drops for them. Sure. And, like, every time I've taken Rutschman, he's had one of his worst weeks this year. Every time <laughs> yeah. I took Cedric Mullins, he was terrible this year. Okay. So, but I'm taking Gunnar Henderson because he's he's the best offensive player on the team right now, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. But he is. He is. My options are limited here. Um, me Cedric. I'll go Cedric. Cedric? Okay. Yeah. Zach's taking Cedric Mullins. I am taking Gunnar Henderson. So, that is that. And this is this. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about, and I know we, we both got to get out of here. We both have stuff that we have to do today. So we're going to try and keep it a little bit short here. Orioles starting rotation next year. Do you, how many starting pitches do you think they need to add to this rotation next year? Cause I feel like you can lock in Grayson Rodriguez. Um, I think you can lock in DL Hall. Yeah. Tyler Wells and Kyle Bradish. Honestly, it, they may already have their five-man rotation. King Kramer too. Yeah, because right. I think Kramer's your number five. Yeah. Wells is your number four. Bradish is your three. Yeah. Bradish or Hall is your three. Bradish or Hall is your two. Grayson Rodriguez is your one. And then you have John Means coming. Um, it's a 
it's a weird position to be in where the Orioles have some really good options already yeah. in-house. And who are you going to take out of the rotation to put a free agent starter into the rotation? Well, that's all always assuming health, right? I that's mean, true. That, that, that's assuming that all five of those guys are going to be perfectly healthy and be there on opening day, which I think is unrealistic. I, I don't think that... All five of those guys will be healthy. It just never works out that way. And that's why Stan always talks about how GMs used to tell him that they'd go for, you know, seven options, eight options, nine options, because you need so many options throughout the, the year to, to keep a competent starting rotation for 162 games. And it's, it's a very difficult thing. So I'm not sure the Orioles are really going to look at it that way. I think they're going to compile a list of nine or ten guys and say, okay, these are the possibilities. Let's go into spring training and see who's healthy. And then we'll make, you know, we'll, we'll kind of make the, the rotation based on that. And I think there's going to be probably three of those guys that won't be because that's just generally how it works. And, and we see more and more pitchers getting injured in different ways. Um, we'll see if Grayson Rodriguez even starts the, ro- the year in the rotation. Um, I think it, will. I think it's likely. I don't think there's a chance he doesn't. I think it's likely. But again, all, that's all, Barring all, injury. All, all assuming health. Yeah. All assuming health. Now, let me ask you this. I don't hate the idea of a six-man rotation. And you get a work day. Mm-hmm. In between, yeah. I don't hate the idea, and I don't know. I don't think any team does this. But what do you think of the idea of having the guys available in relief, having a six-man rotation, and having the guys who are on their workday available in relief to use that as their workday? Is that maybe overworking these guys, or because if they're having a workday anyway? Yeah, I I think it's going to be depending. They're on- never going to do it, but I. It, it, it would have to depend on the guy, right? Like, I, I think with a guy like Grayson Rodriguez or Tyler Wells, you're assumed number one and two. I don't think you want to do that with them. Or even a John Means once he comes back. Like, mm-hmm. you don't want to throw those guys, your more upper tier guys, into that kind of role. But maybe with a Dean Kramer or even an Austin Voth, if he if he ends up being there, that's perfect. I mean, he's sure. under team control. Voth isn't going anywhere unless they cut him. Correct. Right? Exactly, yeah. Um, D.L. Hall might be the odd man out. And D.L. Hall could be, sure. And, and, and again, th- this is all, I think there's so much, um, I, so many question marks, really, with this rotation because they are going to sign guys and then they've got to make tough decisions. Uh, you know, it, yeah. they're going to have to say, okay, you know, Dean Kramer pitched good for a a decent amount of time, a, a decent stretch. It's not the biggest sample size in the world, but he has pitched well enough. Does that earn him automatically a spot if he's and, healthy? And are you really they're gonna have not going to make gonna, those. Not gonna sign a free agent starter because Dean Kramer right. was... was He's looking like a fifth starter, right, for you right now, and he's been really good. But with that, with the guys that we named, he's probably a fifth starter, right, right. And are you really gonna, right, not I, sign Carlos Rodon because not. you have Dean Kramer? I don't think there's really any guy outside of Grayson Rodriguez that should hold you back from signing a starting pitcher. I don't yeah. think you. I mean, even Tyler Wells, it's 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 a small sample size of what he was able to do throughout a few months before the injury. Kyle so Kyle Bradish has been freakish, and, and Kyle Bradish again, yeah, he, he has, but it's also been a smaller, small, what, ten games, eleven games, nine. He's been he's been really right. He's been really good. So I think they're going to take that all into account and say, hey, we're just because these guys have been good, we're not going to let it stop us from trying to sign a guy like a Rodon who is an established veteran who has put up you know consistent numbers over the past few years. I, I think that makes sense, and I don't think you can view it another way. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Orioles obtain a, a starting pitcher in the offseason through a trade. And then sure. spend the money on a bad man, Pablo Lopez. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I keep talking about it because I really would love Pablo Lopez in Baltimore, and and, yeah. and the the Marlins are always a team searching for outfielders. So you know maybe you send them a package of Hazen Marlins. I mean you've got Colton Cowser knocking on the door, so you can replace those guys pretty easily. We've talked about that a lot, but it's definitely a possibility. 
we are going to forego final thoughts. Um, because my final thought isn't going to be anything different than what it would have been last okay. last week or the week before, and it's okay. just about the Orioles, you know, being good but not good enough. So we're not going to. And the the whole introduction was my thoughts on this team. So, um, and I'm really trying to shift my focus from being disappointed that they're not winning more to being excited that they've won as much as they have. Because I am excited that, they, that they've won as yeah. much as they have. Um, I just I, I wanted once I sniffed the playoffs I you know it it was like a shark smelling blood and water correct you know yeah. what I mean that, yeah. that that's how I got so and now that I believe it's over yeah um it, it's not but I believe that it, it is I think the one point three from Fangraphs is right on the money yeah <laughs> I, I I mean a lot of things would have to bounce yeah. their way and most importantly they'd have to start playing their best baseball correct. um which could happen but I don't think it's realistic but. Great season, nonetheless, and we'll we will have a season closing show um, when it comes to that point to talk about the success of the season. Um, probably after that that final Blue Jay series, and who knows, maybe that, that final Blue Jay series determines whether or not the Orioles make the playoffs. That's all the honestly, I think that that's the best that we could hope for right now is that that series means something for the Orioles. So, Zach, you have. Um, do you want to push sounding off to next week? Because it's, it's fine, sure. Because yeah, it, it, yeah. it's it's already twelve fifteen. And we both got to kind of got like yeah, get no out worries. of here. No so worries. thank you for tuning into the bat around. It's been brought to you today by Press Boxes, Glenn Clark Radio, which is a definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. You can watch the show every weekday from ten to noon at youtube.com slash pressbox online or facebook.com slash pressbox sports or listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week the guys caught up with Kevin Harlan and Trent Green before they call Ravens Dolphins on CBS plus Maryland linebacker Ramon Hem- Roman Roman Hemby and former Orioles broadcaster Buck Martinez who we just had on our show find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in review feature right now at PressBoxOnline.com real quick before we go Zach what did you see from the Ravens uh, last week what are you looking for this week and what's your prediction gotta get a hotter offensive start Got to come out and attack, uh, and you've got to pa- you've got to pass block better against the Dolphins. They had mm-hmm. four sacks on Lamar Jackson last year. Got to watch those blitzing DBs from the corners. Got to put a running those back or two back bags. there. Yeah, you got to put a running back or two back there. Uh, put a Patrick Ricard and a Mike Davis back there and just block them, so Lamar Jackson can can you know be able to operate in the pocket and get the ball downfield. Um. I liked what I saw from Pat McCar- McCarry. Mm-hmm. Is it McCarry too. or McCarry? McCarry. McCarry. McCarry yeah. from, from Pat McCarry last week. Uh, Jawan James tore the Achilles, the previously yeah. injured Achilles, oh. right off the bone. He's done for the year. He may never, oh. honestly, he may never play it's again. terrible. He may it's never terrible. play again. Um, but I thought that the Ravens' offense took off. They did. After Second Pat McCarry half. came into the game. Yeah. When Pat McCarry came into the game, I felt like they blocked better. Yep. Uh, the passing game opened up a little bit more for Lamar. I felt like he had a little bit more time Agreed. back there. And look, Ronnie Stanley... Uh, he was a full participant participant in practice on Friday. Um, he's not going to play yeah. on Sunday, but I think he's close. And if you saw his first rep, he put um, number seven. Is number seventy seven Powers? Uh seventy seven. I, I it's Falele. It's the oh, uh, the newly drafted. Falele. He put Falele on his ass. Yeah. Uh, uh, and there was a video of it. It was yeah. it was it was a sight to be seen. J.K. Dobbins uh, is has been a full go and should be active on fr- on Sunday. Yeah. I don't know how much they're going to get out of him. I can't imagine that the Ravens won't have an answer for the cover zero. They've got defense. to. They've I can't. Got to. You've had a whole year to prepare for that. Yeah. Can't imagine that they won't have an answer for it. Um, the Dolphins are having some issues with their tackles mm-hmm. right now. Um, the the left tackle is a, is questionable. The right tackle is out. Um, so they're on their backup. 
I, I, this game could go could be a low scoring game or, or it could be a shootout. Yeah. Um. They're gonna have to. If they can get pressure on Tua, I think they win the game yep. and, and maybe easily. But I'm gonna say Ravens win by the narrowest of margins. Ravens twenty four, Dolphins twenty three. I was close. I was thinking Ravens twenty three, Dolphins twenty. So there you go. I was right along the same lines. There you go. All right. Uh, hopefully it plays out that way. The Ravens definitely need a big two and zero start to the season because I think they have the Patriots and the Bills. Yes. Coming up, yes. the Patriots are in New England. Are the Bills at home or are they in Buffalo? That I do not know. I think it, I think it's in Buffalo, but I can't be positive about that. Great show today. Thank you to Stan the Fan Charles as always for his weekly segment. Steve Johnson, former Orioles pitcher, Maryland native, and St. Paul School for Boys alum, uh, for taking some time to talk about the 2012 Orioles and the current roster with us. And special thanks to Buck Martinez, overcoming cancer, getting back in the broadcast booth, and being gracious enough to talk to us on a busy Saturday um, about this series and the Blue Jays moving forward. Thank you to Zach Goodman for the great job that he does every week. To all of our sponsors, to Glenn and Stan and John for allowing us to do the show every Saturday. We will see you next week. Go Ravens. Go O's. See ya.